and welcome to episode 380 of the Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined as always by Tom Kennett. Plenty to get into this week, although we are freshening things up. Despite there being a minor twist in the title race, we're going to take a week away from that and ask what might have been for 10 players that used to play in the Premier League but were riddled by injuries. After discussing them, we'll look to try and grade their careers and ask what might have been if they'd been injury-free for the course of it. We'll round up the weekend quickly first though. I've got a couple of questions to ask and then we'll get on to the main course. TK, you managed to bag a ticket to go and watch Brentford and Liverpool on Saturday. What was that like uh, going undercover? Yeah, not easy that. Though you do you quickly realise you think this will be absolutely fine and then you give yourself away just a few times, even just... So, like, the lad I went with isn't a fan of either, but he gets Brentford tickets via his work. And... Um, but he'd be, like, talking to me about Liverpool and I would occasionally use the term we or whatever. You know, <laughs> fuck, what am I doing? But, uh, yeah, fortunately, one... Not the most intimidating crowd. <laughs> and it was midday. I was thinking to myself during this, I was like, what ground would you have to go to to be intimidated in a 12.30 kickoff? I went to Blackburn. That was... that was uh, with, as well. With the away fans, yeah. That was a bad day for <laughs> yeah, you. It was. <laughs> so, I thought the kid couldn't go and so you'd gone Lone Ranger right. in with the Brentford right. fans. No, no, no. So he went, but I'm being honest, when you get asked late Friday evening, somebody <laughs> has dropped out. That is clear. <laughs> yeah. uh, my pride and ego are not, you know, getting the way, going to get in the way of it. Uh, yeah, I was happy to step into the breach. It turned out to be a good one to go to. I had a bad feeling I saw it. It was a miserable day. Pissing out of rain. We were a bit early. That's a very uncommon experience for me to be early to somewhere. And I thought, this is a bad feeling. There's bad omens here. When I text Goff at two o'clock on a Monday, I say, what are you doing tonight? (laughs) (laughs) Who's dropped out then? United have been spanked. (laughs) Why why am I getting called up? No, when I went with um, Jack, because I've always said, I wouldn't want to do this. And everyone laughed and looking back, Obviously, this just, you can laugh at this. But when he said to me, are you scared of being dicked or whatever? I said, no, my biggest fear is we're kind of cruising to a win and I just can't celebrate it at all. It's one of the biggest wins for Arsenal in recent history. Yeah. And I'm having to fully contain myself. Yeah. Didn't have to worry about that. No, and I realised pretty know, quickly I wouldn't have to worry about that. And such is their fan base and the fact that we were in hospitality that... After around 70 minutes, my guard had dropped and <laughs> I think people, one, worked out that I was an Arsenal fan. Also, just you it point. just added added to it for them yeah. that they were able to celebrate this in my presence. It's kind of like um, when people kick off about Neville being on commentary. It's like, yeah, but I do get the payoff. <laughs> yeah. When he goes tears up yeah. for him, I get to laugh at him. So, Was there any chippy action on the way home? Uh Yeah. But the tragic thing is I can't remember the name of the chippy, this random one around the corner from Victoria Station. Oh, okay. All right. so, no, 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 it was like before you get there because we went to a little... Okay, pub- chippy in London, look at us. Yeah, yeah. So a little Because we went to a little pub around the corner to watch uh, City Chelsea because the sports bar at Victoria Station is closed for whatever reason. So, uh, and then there's a massive queue for food in there so I wasn't getting it in the pub so there's a little, a grimy little 
chip shot around the corner from there that I jumped into. Do you stay over in London or get a late, late no, so I got back? after the literally after the Chelsea City game. So that's I'd say that coach trip after a day of a few beers as well. I'd say that adds two or three points to the <laughs> it should wear them off. You actually feel worse for the journey. It's it's been a big thing for me. Mainly if if you're on your own, you don't want to be up and down pissing on a national express anyway. I also just don't want to be getting up on the National Express. I just like closing my eyes and just hoping the journey just goes away from me. But I'll be returning for the Champions League. So maybe, I mean, I'm going to be sinking points on my own <laughs> for a Champions League game. But yeah, that's going to be, they changed it. It's not a midnight one back now anymore. It's 11.30. Damn. Yeah. Um, first 20 minutes, I thought I was in hell. The hand dryer in the toilets was just stuck on I thought this is going to be a long but for some reason at some point it just cut out so when I went with Troy and we were just fine all day and then we were literally queuing up for the National Express and you know what I'm like anyway and I saw him just kind of screwing his face up he went I've just been sick (laughs) and he was having to be sick on the National Express I don't think it was like where you're puking your lung it was more like more like bile I think than but yeah not a place you want to be no, when you've got that four-hour trip back, so we had to get the bus on the other side as well. Oh. <laughs> the uh, I remember once getting a mega bus back from Plymouth. It broke down, and a bloke took the opportunity whilst broken down to take a shit. I was like, <laughs> what are you doing? This coach isn't moving, and you're taking a shit on the bus. When I was on the way to uh, Arsenal Norwich, it was where we've lost the first two games of the season to Brentford. Yes. Chelsea and City we'd lost the first three yeah and big game for our set of that yeah and a guy basically said you know I don't feel well and the driver kind of did he made it very clear without making it very clear he was like how unwell do you feel because if you feel quite unwell I will have to stop the coach <laughs> and the guy was like yeah I don't feel very well he just felt like sick or he said, I think he had, it was, he basically said, I just don't feel good. And it was, we all had to stop and wait for another coach and they would just ferry us on to what? other coaches. Yeah. And so they stopped at a, a service thing and that was where I got in. I had to run basically from Finsbury Park to Arsenal because one bloke said he didn't feel good. So they had to stop and wait for a paramedic to come and check this guy out. Fuck him. Because they said if they were on the motorway and something happened, then there's nothing they can do. So it's every man for himself at that point. Yeah, he got some filthy, filthy yeah, looks absolutely. on the on the. Way if you off. do anything other than die in that <laughs> yeah. spot, you're the bad guy, unfortunately. Um, now Darwin's goal, as beautiful as it was, um, Owen has commented on this also. What on earth is he doing <laughs> inside the box? The keeper stood straight up. He goes over him, and I was reminded last season when we beat Brighton away there was one where Martinelli went solo and basically just kicked it at Robert Sanchez Hmm. and it went in and I said okay it's okay if we're a few up and he was just being selfish but not good if he didn't see him and we would only know down the line now this is great if Darwin is just very confident it's bad if this is what he feels is the instinctual finish for this place on the pitch yeah, let me tell you, those seconds of him running in on goal as well felt like, I don't know, about 30 minutes. That was a a long time to be watching that man run at a one-on-one. I do, I do get the point, and it's 
it can and probably will go wrong for him quite a few times. A chip like that, as Owen said in his tweet, there's so many times that can go wrong. Even just takes a bad bobble or whatever before it, you can look stupid. And if it's going to happen to someone, it'll probably happen to him, yeah. right? But one, it's good that he had the confidence to do that. That shows there's something there, even if it's delusional confidence, <laughs> it's confidence. And see, I do think if it's a different striker, people probably wouldn't be questioning it. I think they'd be going, what a finish. Yeah, That's a yeah, guy. Fair. Because it's him, I think people do question it. I think Owen's wider point is spot on. And, you know, as you'd expect, Michael Owen talking about finishing, you know, if there's one thing he can talk about, it should be that. And he is right. But I do think the fact that he was able to finish it with the chip over the top is at least a sign of some progression for him because a lot of his mischances are because he just tries to drill it every time and he doesn't, he doesn't have that variation. Whereas at least this is a, a beginning of that. It felt like it was in the air for so long. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I said in um, one of our group chats that I imagined you looking to some Brentford fan next year and going, when he's doing that to you, you know it's not your day. <laughs> and that's how you blend in. Yeah, I did do a, uh, fuck off, has he done yeah. that? <laughs> so that felt like a politically neutral thing to say because I did actually think that, but just not in the way that they thought I thought that sentence. Yeah, every group chat I was in was just a collection of wow and then very shortly after why has he done that? <laughs> hey if you win and he does it then yeah fair absolutely. enough yeah <clears throat> uh, I mentioned it last week I did go double pizza papa on the Friday dominoes while disgracefully hung over <laughs> on Sunday <clears throat> now I had an odd Papa experience because I don't know who I upset first of all they did take a little longer to deliver I missed that 4.45 sweet spot to order for a 5.15 delivery uh, as I was on the bus home last week I didn't quite get that but they took their time the guy kind of like swerves to kind of half park on our drive and it was obviously a rush delivery here <laughs> but he kind of leant in and just passed the pizza boxes into my chest and he leant in and went, enjoy it while it's hot. Like that. Enjoy it while it's hot. <clears throat> and it was like the last thing I was going to hear before I get whacked. <laughs> it was like <laughs> Mr. Lacazette sends his regards. <laughs> and it, it wasn't the best papa I've, I've had. They've set high standards of late. Not, not the worst either. Still better than the dominoes I had on Sunday. Fair play. They're retaining their position even when they're yeah. underperforming. Sunday pizza I'm seeing just isn't good. It's like... The cast offs from Saturday night, is it? I think they just know the position people are in to be ordering pizza on a <laughs> Sunday. And so they're like, we can just get away with it. But when you see 40% off if you spend 40 quid, now that sounds like a lot of money. <laughs> it's 20 quid for a pizza anyway. So I was just able for a couple of quid more... To get a large pizza, some kickers, some cheesy garlic bread, and some cookies. And it's not really forty quid. Though. That's what I'm learning. <laughs> I had the I had the kickers, which unreal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the what if I had KFC chicken and McDonald's chips is very quickly for me becoming what if I had the XXL authentic thin crust double pepperoni, some tots, and some chicken kickers. Blimey. That's a Friday night that you you don't get you don't get to have uh, very often. But yeah, pizza did what it did. I can't. I had the kickers and I had about two slices of like, What have I just ordered forty quid's worth of pizza? <laughs> but through the day, gradually, I mean, I had the last bit of 
garlic bread, I chucked some out for the birds, so they had some enjoyable um, a night snack for them. But a bit of cheesy garlic bread at about 10 o'clock on Sunday night. To Nothing for Dave? I offered him some pizza, but apparently uh, pepperoni is really bad for cats because salt just messes with their brain. Okay. So... Didn't get many of that, but before you going to say that like, he took a look at it and said, "If that was Papa John's, I don't have this." He loves he loves chip shop chips. Good man, Dave the cat. If anyone is under uh, <laughs> any illusions, but then several other football related questions. Now Chelsea drew with City on Saturday night. They screwed my Harland triple captain. The question I was going to ask Jack is, how does it feel securing the title for Liverpool? <laughs> but the. <laughs> The confusion on Saturday night out for the football. <laughs> Liverpool fans going, I don't get why you don't want Chelsea to win. And I, was like, I see why you might think that. Doesn't reflect well on any of you if I explain it. Doesn't reflect well on you either for no. what it's worth. No, I said it and in a far worse way of saying it, someone said, a weird bloke. <laughs> Can't argue too much. Did we like that Sterling celebrated... Yeah, absolutely. We can't really be a podcast where we're constantly slating players for not celebrating. Itself. No, I just I wanted, just wanted yeah. to. I thought the uh, the booing from City fans of him and to slightly less extent Cole Palmer was a bit weird in itself. <laughs> it didn't really make any sense. <laughs> weird bunch. Mm. But rough, rough game. Weird, weird game from them. Yeah, I mean, weird game from both teams. Yeah, because but Chelsea do this, don't they? They have even. In the games they get positive results in, they have the pockets of the game where you think, okay, this team can play. And, and then other times they think, they're going to throw it all away. They can't do it over 90 minutes. It's partly probably the age of the team, not having played together as a collective very often. But let's face it, if Harlem puts some of his chances in, maybe we're having a different discussion anyway. Yeah. Maybe Pat would count, you know me. what, it's a usual game for us. It's just that we didn't score our chances. The Chelsea fan I watched with very confidently when I got there, it's like, we're going to win 1-0 today. I'm so confident we're going to win one nil today. Would have been a prophecy if it had come yeah. off. But Haaland, it was like he was. So I Chelsea mean, fan, run with waft. Yeah. yeah. Okay, take that with a pinch of salt and be confident on this. It's it's like Haaland was doing it on purpose. It it was very odd. I'm aware I'm far from the only person that would have triple captain, and my thinking was. Don't let them get away. <laughs> what well, it was like, I can accept far more me triple captaining him and him having a stinker than him having a banger and, and me you not do, triple yeah, captain yeah, yeah, Harlan. Yeah. Harmer did say to me, I know he's only been there a season, but Chelsea and Brentford are the two teams he scored the least against in his career, and that's who he has his double game week against. But I don't know. It's rare you're going to get a double game week for someone who's almost as guaranteed goals as him and he's probably going to play in the both games whereas Pep would normally rotate so you had to do it I think he's definitely going to be playing the next game now especially yeah. if yeah, there yeah. was anything well, the fact FPL is at the stage now where people are wondering when his grandmother's funeral is <laughs> God. That's, a, that's a thing I know his grandmother's named Tone by the way which is a whole other thing Um. lastly we've all seen the tackle by Mason Holgate on Matoma I'm sure First of all, he has the cheek to appeal it. I don't know if you've seen Chris Wilder talking about this. I don't know if I you've can't seen... pronounce the player's name. He yeah, talks about it. it. Uh, yeah, yeah. When I used to have him on FM, I, I used to say Almedzic, but I'm sure <laughs> there's a lot more to it than that. He at least says, "No, I've not seen the replay." 
<laughs> so it may look different on there, he's saying, which is kind of a way. <laughs> you know, like, well, I probably don't say anything then. It's like doing the, I'm sorry you feel that way. Yeah. It's not really apologising. Yeah. For Wilder to be like, you know, he's got someone in his ear and they telling him. That's <laughs> insane. And it is kind of, you know, what chance has a ref got? If he can't give that as a red card and people don't kick off, I don't know what chance he got. Is three games enough of a ban here? Because that was the immediate question. I know Holgate does have some form for this, but that's a bad one. Yeah, I've, I think potentially they have to slap at least another game on it, maybe two, just to make a point, just because that's a mad tackle. Well, I think we don't want to be in a position where every single red card we're going, is that a three game or is that a four game or is that a five game? But when there are certain things, so... Suarez is an extreme case, I know, but say someone spits at another player, or even if they slapped another player properly, they're getting more than a three-game ban. Yeah, something like this, where it's so high, it's so reckless, there does need to be yeah it's a potential career end some kind yeah. So it's a little bit different to yeah standard red yeah. card challenge. It, the the dicey thing is. If we do give him an extended ban, the next time there's a high tackle that leads to a red card, Sheffield, especially bearing in mind, if they're saying it's not a red card anyway, (laughs) they're going to be kicking up all sorts of fuss. So they'll probably leave it as a free game because they don't want to cause themselves bigger problems. Yeah, fair, but yeah, really bad. In real time, it looked bad. And then the replay was like, whoa, Jesus Christ. Yeah, I I hadn't yet tuned into that game, I thought. And then to be honest, so they quickly tuned out after. And once they got a couple of goals down, I was like, right, that's that's that game done. But yeah, I saw obviously the messages flying through about that tackle. Whatever I thought was going to be, I thought it's not going to be that bad. It's like, this is horrible. Yeah. All right, let's get on to the topic we've chosen to discuss today. So we've got four tiers here. The idea is we're going to go through 10 players. I don't know how long we're going to spend on each one. So if it's getting out of hand, I'm sure we're going to revisit this in future with some more players. Or if um, we're done in 10 minutes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so at the end of discussing each player, we're going to try and put them in one of the following tiers. From the bottom upwards, that's like a negligible career. The, the injuries definitely didn't help their career, but it wouldn't have got much better. Kind of pretty damn good. Solid professional pretty good might be called great by maybe just some of that club's fans like some of the way I would talk about the players we're going to get into anyway but not as good as some would have you believe their career would have been better but it wouldn't have been what some one of the tiers I guess we're about to mention club altering so no injuries and this player would have changed his club fortunes in both the immediate and long-term future and then finally historic so we missed out on an all-timer career. Hopefully that makes sense. Probably might make more sense when we start discussing them. A good one for us to start with, as we have a nice uh, suitable compilation on the TV for this, Jack Wilshire. Now, if I'd canvassed 10 people in 10 different WhatsApp groups and said the names and players whose careers were ravaged by injuries, I'm pretty confident Wilshire would be in the top three on most people's lists. Hmm. The most talented player I think I've ever seen come through the Arsenal Academy in all my time as a fan. We've seen Fabregas debut at 16, doesn't quite count because he pinched him from the Barca Academy and then 
let him go on. But Wilshire then debuts at 16 as well, plays 35 times in his first full season as a senior pro at Arsenal. And really, it was just never the same again. This is the season of the Barcelona performance, which was 13 years ago on Friday, by the way, as a 19-year-old. Capello spoke about giving him the keys to the midfield as the holder ahead of Euro 2012. He said he was the future. There was a future England captain shouts. Him becoming Arsenal captain was just seen as a formality. And then his first big injury going into pre-season for his second season, he suffers a stress fracture on his ankle. Wenger says it's not that bad and we have good news and then he doesn't play again for 17 months. Yeah, it felt like you kept going, when's Wilshire back? And oh, soon, soon. And then next thing you knew, you, hang on, there's a season gone here. Well, as, as much of the big thing being we wanted him at Euro 2012, the big thing was actually that we wanted him at the Olympics, which was a really big thing of what we were trying to do then. Is Sturridge, is Sturridge in? Sturridge. Yeah, in yeah. we're going to speak about later mm. as well. He never starts more than 20 games in a Premier League season for Arsenal again. And I think there'll maybe be a bit of a misconception over time that he was a certain type of midfielder because of his size and maybe that his kind of technical ability was the biggest part of his game. But as we say, this was a guy that was trusted as the holder in, in games against SCN. He was seen as the latest guy that could enable Lampard and Gerrard to move forward together for England. His close dribbling is just up there with some of the best I've ever seen from a midfielder just the way he rode challenges he would shift and shimmy past players drive forward eat up ground uh, he genuinely could do it all his goal catalogue from and his range of finishes great he could just properly strike it half volley volley lift it into the roof of the net from close proximity that kind of standard in-step finish that all the best midfielders have where they just pass it round but really where it went wrong some of the tackles that he suffered were disgusting. He he came up in the thick of the time of Arsenal not liking it up him. I, I think his reputation of being soft with injuries meant that some bad tackles weren't taken seriously. There's one from Paddy McNair, horrible, <laughs> horrible player. And he had all of his studs on Wilshire's ankle. And that idiot Mike Dean is staring right at it and he doesn't call a foul. You can watch that challenge back. It's insane. And then each time he'd return from injury, pundits would say that he needed to reinvent his game. And I always understood the point, but I don't know how people thought it was going to happen. Like We've seen players adapt later in their career and then be able to extend their career, I guess. So Rooney is the big one I can think of. Harry Kane, I'm sure, will do it as uh, as his career goes onwards. But asking a player to change his game without properly being able to enjoy the fruits of it just never felt viable. Like I could never see Wilshire coming back and changing his his entire identity, which was committing players and driving. And essentially, we're saying he he has to become Jorginho while injured. It's not like he's Rooney played his way into a new role. Yeah. The idea that he, this guy was going to be out for like a year and then come back and be a new player is just unfeasible. Yeah, not at an age where you'd accept like Rooney's going, look, my legs are going, I'm yeah. progressing, I'm having to push further back the pitch here. Uh, whereas Wilsh is obviously not going to be in that spot. Yeah, well, he's only 32 now, isn't he? Yeah, so, so. Uh, th- those athletes focus on like one 
element of their game and just really double down on it. They're like Daredevil. (laughs) (laughs) And Wilshire, he didn't have the time to do that. He was often rushed back just to get the most out of him before he was injured again. He always seized the responsibility and took the team on his back. And Now, that, that style he had where he'd be so low down while dribbling, it felt like his leg was almost fully extended each time when he was driving with the ball to kind of flap it either way. And so all of these challenges came in just like solely on his ankle. And then when his second ankle went, it was, you just knew it's just never happening again. I think if he's fit for even 90% of his career, he's an England regular, probably captain, as I said. Arsenal's midfield is solidified with him and Aaron Ramsey, who we could also (laughs) discuss here. Yeah, yeah. At various times over his Arsenal tenure, and maybe we don't buy all of these players because he's fit, but... He would have been alongside a combination of Ramsey, Diaby, Nasri, Arshavin, Fabregas, Arteta, Ertzel, Kozola, so many more. And it's just a combination of bad luck and I don't know what else you can put it down to. It's just some of the clips you see of him even now when he would come back from injury. I think he had a run in 16 or 17 maybe the year before... Wenger calls it a day when we reach the League Cup final. He gets a goal in a comeback against Chelsea in the League Cup semi-final. And it's like, okay, he's finally getting to put it together. And then once again, he goes down and yeah, rough. Very, very rough. It's interesting to hear him talking about injuries, injuries now. Uh, I remember that one interview he did where he sent, I can't remember which op it was that he had, but he essentially said, yeah, I was just never quite the same again he said I was always chasing it and it never felt right again it's kind of crazy to me you essentially have another whole chapter of a career in which you are yeah you're basically acknowledging I'm no longer the same player I've got to try and figure out what I'm going to do and and again not at an age where you go most footballers have to change at a certain point in time he's kind of not even at his prime yet trying to figure out how I'm going to become something different. The first one happened in a pre-season and then I think it's ag- it's aggravated playing for England, which is a theme for a lot of these players we're yeah. going to talk about yeah, yeah, today. Yeah. I don't know if it's just the management because typically we say the international game is far slower and softer, but... Also, you pick up in training though, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, the next guy we speak about is, is the worst case of that, but I don't, I don't know. It... He wasn't a particularly likable player for most people that aren't Arsenal fans. So he was never shy of people getting stuck in on him. I do think you knew if you went in hard on him, then you had a chance of putting him out of the game or yeah. at least soften him. I don't know. It was. And he was, the other thing, he didn't play like an injury play player. He would go in for a challenge where you go, a different sort of personality would know, I'm probably coming off second best here, so maybe I shouldn't. People are telling that about Diego Jota at the minute. They're going, maybe you shouldn't go into some of these challenges you go into, mate, because you keep picking up injuries, uh, which is obviously a much more extreme example of it. He's just the type of midfielder that we don't often develop in this country. When you look at the midfields we have now, we've got Rice, who is a different type of midfielder. We have Bellingham, and then we're literally looking for this third guy and saying we want yeah. someone like him in there that can do both sides of it. I would say that the craziest equivalent you've got in terms of style is Foden and they don't play him there. They don't trust him to do that job. He's doing well at what he is doing. But if you look at them style-wise, the way he carries the ball, 
he could do some of the stuff that Wilshire could, but he again, they'd rather maybe play him off the right or whatever. Yeah, Foden's never been trusted as six. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, by the way, I it's the only limitation I would have in terms of where we rank Wilshire is that I always felt he was being used slightly incorrectly by Arsenal and by England by playing him in that slightly deeper role. Now, Arsenal, kind of tricky. If you've got Ozil there, what are you going to do? At, at that point, you're going to put him as a 10. You're not going to change it. But I always liked Wilshire in that slightly more advanced role just because I liked the way he goes past players. Yeah. And I always thought his passing ability was sort of there's little one-twos in, in and around the box and playing a sliding ball in behind rather than, say, playing from deeper and doing a raking pass like a Shabby Alonso, for example. He had a, a longer pass in the locker, but not... I wouldn't say that was his speciality, like those things I've just spoken about there. But I don't think he was necessarily getting that role. Again, Arsenal with the personnel they had and with England, really. Again, it kind of became a who can play this deeper role Well, you can do it. Okay, you do it then. Yeah, with, with Wenger, um, his team after the Invincibles... The City's team have a bit more steel in them than Wenger's did, but essentially the idea is the same, that we get as many of these little technical players as we can on the pitch at any one time, and we say, between you, you're going to work it out. So those midfielders I mentioned, that 2008 Arsenal team, which I say every time is my favourite Arsenal team of all time, is you've got Nasri, you've got Fabregas, you've got all these little guys in together, and because Wilshire, as we've just said, is the guy that can play as a six the best? He can do of it, those. so do it. But yeah, I just didn't feel that was his strength. But then, as you say, with England as well, it's well, Gerard doesn't want to do it. Lampard doesn't want to do it. Yeah, we don't have a standout. We don't have a Declan Rice at that time. No, so no, exactly. That's probably the best thing we can do in this situation. It was the same as you mentioned him getting called up to that tournament. Had he played like three games or something, and we, he got called up? Well, I, I was I like, remember- well, the problem is obviously who do we have if we don't play him as much as he may not be deserving of space in the squad not a huge wealth of options at this stage no I remember very strongly defending the call up because <laughs> you shocked me well I was, I was saying there's no one else we have that can do this and I think people were just so worn down by Wilshire at yeah. that stage yeah. and that feels crazy that in 2012 at the age he would have been then that people are already was looking at that as like the back end of his career we're done with him already at that stage for a lot of people we've yeah. seen what we consider to be his peak and he's already on the way down yeah 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 and yeah and I thought yeah, we had a decent enough tournament but in a tournament where it wasn't a good tournament yeah we were disgraced generally <laughs> yeah. I don't know, he, he's one off the jump the belief I have in him it's it's not even a question in my mind and this way really we could have done with a third person here <laughs> is I think he's one of the best midfielders in Arsenal's history. And if you're one of the best midfielders in Arsenal's history, we're kind of looking at one of the best in Premier League history. I genuinely just think he could have... It was quite depressing, actually, watching the highlights back over the weekend and thinking, we could do this now. We could really do this now. (laughs) If he was in, if you look at the Arsenal team now, if he's in... Kai Havertz's position yeah, 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 absolutely. with Odegaard alongside him because he's going to muck in all the same and with that freedom of having Declan Rice in behind him it would have been it would have been perfect fit in a way wouldn't he nuts he, he would be potential if not captain of England right now he's one of the senior players if you look at the miles that Jordan Henderson was able to get out of the ability that he had and I'm higher on Henderson than That's a 
think I'm right in saying they debuted for England on the same game. I think it's, I it's think a good, they, it's a good shout. I think it, they come on very the same similar game. ages. I think they come on the same game. Yeah, and if you'd have predicted one of them will have more caps than the other, whatever, you'd go and captain the team to a Premier League title, for example. You go well. I'll go with Wilshire then on, on the balance of it. Even if, if Henderson is in the squad in the summer, which I think we're pretty sure he's going to be, yeah. part of the defence of it is going to be, you know, you can't just get all these new guys in at the same time. You need some experience. They've been there. They've done this. And he offers a bit more of something there. He can calm a game down. He can come on late and we can kind of get things going. Wilshire is that guy in in there because yeah. we don't know what he would be like. The, his style of play anyway it was never going to be a long, long career unless he adapted his game and he did step back and he was... I know he said that when he played against Busquets, they had this thing on there in his style where he was going to rub people up the wrong way. But he was looked at what he was able to do and he said in an interview since, he saw what he was able to do down the stretch in his career and really, really just loved watching that. If he could do anything like that in a far less combative way... yeah then you'd back him to have the intelligence to do it. It's just- yeah, if if you can say you don't have these injuries, you'd back him to do like a Paul Scholes type of adaptation where people kind of forget the first half of his career, he was a forward-thinking goal-scoring midfielder. And then the second half, he was playing more as the quarterback, as they will, they will yeah. say. Uh, the only asterisk I would have on Wilshire, I think... You are probably right in saying, because people didn't really like him, I think a lot of other fans probably downplay how good he would have been a little bit. <laughs> I know where we're going. <laughs> I think Arsenal maybe ramped up just a tad, only in that I don't think numbers-wise it would probably look as impressive as maybe people think. I don't think he'd get as got many goals as, say, young Paul Scholes or as a no. Frank... Definitely not Lampard, but Lampard kind of was freakish in terms of the numbers he, he hit. I'm not sure Wilshire would have had that but then, you know, you might contend why well, he'd be doing enough all rounds that he, he seemed to have get to do that. Better at the goal scoring as he became less mobile and he was getting about. Mm. I think they actually changed the way we vote for goal of the season because he wins it a second season in a row. <laughs> when he wins it for the volley against West Brom on the last game of the season. Right. And they change it now so there's the vote. And then the pundits on match of day say, We appreciate what you said in the vote, but also we're going <laughs> to if this gives any indication as to where I am, I genuinely think he scored the greatest Premier League goal of all time. That goal against Norwich, I think is, I don't think there's any better goal. Yeah, but that's the best team goal, isn't it? So yeah, so that for me, I'd rather see that than someone smashing it. So this is, if I'm... That's fair, but also like, in terms of how much you credit you can give him, he deserves some level. I'm putting this as but, separate from yeah, where yeah. where he is. I'm just this is, I'm just kind of filling it'd his be, CV. It'll be out there, yeah, yeah. Because a fronker of a strike is great, but it's you know we might see ten of those. We don't tend to see that goal that Arsenal scored. And I'm not sure how many of them mean what they're doing in that <laughs> goal, but it looks very good, and they do score another one less than a year later with another player on this list. Yeah, us doing the tier thing here is going to be a struggle because we don't have a tiebreaker. So I guess we'll both just be saying where we would put them. Yeah. For me, he is an all-timer player. What do you think of the 
performance looking back the Barcelona one because very appreciated at first and then it was wasn't that it's the same as anything just like oversaturation will just turn people off no matter what so everybody would have watched that and unanimously been impressed there's no you can't watch it and not be but it's only so many times you can say how impressive it is before <laughs> people just go, you know what, I'm so sick of hearing about it. I'm going to go in the opposite way and actually say it wasn't that good. As well as the usual sort of hipster types that have to be slightly different anyway. It was it was magic. And a player of that age shouldn't be able to do it. It was... The problem with it is, is it a little bit like, and we're going to come on and talk about Diaby later in the list, a game he had, is probably because of the injuries, you have so little data to go on that then you might sit here and go you know what we would have had a load more games like that and someone else might sit here and go you know what that was his day that was it it's because he's got so little to go on it's kind of impossible to know who's right on that one do you remember I think it was a week later or so before the second leg and the second leg does, does not go nicely no. <laughs> that's where Messi is like you might have thought I was good but I'm actually really really good um, I think Pep says something along the lines of uh, we have 11 Jack Welshes in our academy or something like People that. People lap that quote up. Yeah. And to be fair, they probably <laughs> did have quite a, a fair few in there. But I don't know. I remember watching that game and that's as good a Barca side as we'll ever see. And this was like the Reese Oxford pocketed it so Jack Wilshire didn't single-handedly put Iniesta in one pocket Xavi in the other pocket sure. and, and run the midfield we actually get battered for a lot of the game and they missed some very big chances but I think it was as much the personality on show in that game every so often there would be a game where Wenger's side would be written out off and he would give a yeah, don't put me off. There's don't always off just yet. something compelling about a midfielder doing that as well, when they just kind of, that's never say die, it's not happening on my watch sort of attitude. Regardless of if it's a winning or losing effort, there is people who normally lap that sort of stuff up. I think if I could have been at any game at the Emirates, I think that's the one I would put myself yeah. in the seat for and not know beforehand what happens. If Even, even if I know what happens, then probably still I go in there, but... I don't know. I love Dosh having as well. If we if we could put it, you didn't. if we could put it down <laughs> to injuries with him and it not being that he enjoyed life a bit too his, he enjoyed life a bit too much. When he got bad with him, it got really bad. <laughs> yeah. oh, that was spooky. Alright. Um where would you put Wilshire, by the way, before we uh, move on? I was reluctant to put him in the top tier. And yet the issue is he got thirty four England caps and if he doesn't have injuries, even if he doesn't become like a ridiculous Iniesta, Xavi type, but the rung below that, he gets over 100 England caps, doesn't he? So, yeah, he may, like I said, he may get the armband. I think it's probably likely if he's captain of Arsenal, which I think he probably would have been. So, of the players in this list, if I don't put him in the top tier as a, what might have been, this could have been a historic player, I'm not sure if I'm going to put anyone. So, I'll, I will go with it. Not quite as <laughs> first ballot Hall of Fame as you would, but I would probably go with that. Do you think he stays at Arsenal if he's the player I think he is? 
Man City come calling for a lot of players around this <laughs> yes, time. Yes, it's a bit of a raid, isn't it? No, he would. I think he would also sort of dine out on the fact that he's stuck around as well. Um, he, and they, then he goes to West Ham as a swan song, <laughs> and it doesn't go quite as badly as it does in reality. They bring him on, I think, for the final 10 of the FA Cup win over Hull, where we finally get it back. And yeah. there's a couple like this. So Thomas Rizitsky comes on, I think, for 10 minutes in there as well. And... We get this little glimpse of what could have been if Wenger had managed to keep everyone in check. But mm. unfortunately, him and Ramsey not being able to play together, we had this just flip-flap where every time one of them wasn't injured, the other one would be injured. And Ramsey was able to laugh about it now. I'm not quite there yet. <laughs> but I don't know. Maybe Welch is a different player if he doesn't have to assume such responsibility as well. So, Yeah, there's obviously another player will come on to talk about who fits this bill but there is probably a question of how well managed was he in terms of game time or whatever you you kind of look at his he clearly had a body type that was you are going to pick up injuries let's see and manage this I know ages ago when at the time Stan Collymore was tweeting about the fact that um, Jack Wilsh has bowed legs so that's why he picks up injuries and there's some uh, some validity to that because that does leave you more open to knee or ankle injuries but that also ignores that there are a lot of players who also do have that who don't pick up the injuries like Wilshire did so that's not the be all and end all but you wonder about sort of medical departments or whatever at the club have got to look at that a little bit more closely and say like, how much of a role did we have in all this there's a point with a lot of these players where the manager just says I'm fed up with you now I'm sick of it yeah. and so if I'm told you can play I'm going to play you because I know you're going to get injured at some point. So I'd rather you get injured on the pitch than in training or whatever else. It's almost else like they make a point of it, don't they? Yeah. Because I, I don't know, almost a selfish thing of like, look, it's not me, it's him who keeps getting injured to the fans. You're kind of sending out that message. Well, you see it with some managers and Arteta said recently um, about Jorginho and I thought he was sending shots at some others. And um, he said this about Gabriel Jesus as well. He said that you see with some players, they'll do whatever it takes to make themselves available. And it's to the detriment of something. Gabriel Jesus did it against Nottingham Forest and we've not seen him since. Hmm. And Jorginho, it seems at this stage, basically does enough in training but makes himself available every single week. He's got some foot injury that they're probably going to have to deal with in the summer. But at this stage, if we can get you through a game and with a lot of these players, it's probably the same they make themselves available and the manager's not going to ask any further questions. Yeah. And at some stage, if Wilshire gets told, it's probably not a good idea. He's going to say, but can I play? Because I've missed so much. Yeah. I'm going to get out there now and no one's going to tell me otherwise. And unfortunately, there probably is a situation where you're never going to be 100% fit. So it's like, yeah. we'll get you out there. You're never going to be totally injury-free. So you're going to have to get out there. I had a lot of far more eloquent things to say about Wilshire earlier and then got a bit carried away when we started talking about him. <laughs> one too many comps have uh, gone to my head. Now, another one that I think is right at the top of people's lists when you have these kind of conversations, and that is Dean Ashton, whose career was cut short when he retired on the 11th of December 2009 following a long-term ankle injury that was sustained in August of 2006. Now, He's the focal point of a West Ham side that nearly upset the odds by taking Liverpool to the brink in the FA Cup final. Mm. 
drawing 3-3 after 120 minutes. Um, obviously, they lose 3-1 in the shootout, but his mere presence forces Carragher to turn across into his own net. <laughs> he gets a goal of his own. Uh, is it Matty Etherington has a shot that gets palmed out to him? Um, his finish for that is the slowest I've seen a ball roll into the <laughs> net. I was just in bits. After that game, Steve McLaren takes over from Sven. Yep. So he doesn't go to the World Cup 2006. McLaren takes over from Sven. And his first game in August 2006, Rooney suspended. He selects Crouch, recalls Defoe while bringing in Darren Bent and Dean Ashton. Hell of a strike in the Some names. <laughs> roster there. Ashton is supposed to be partnering Crouch up front in Steve McLaren's perfect England side. A big man, big man punch. <laughs> yeah. Um, August 15th, Sean Wright Phillips, of all people, comes crashing on him in training. And one day before he should be making his first England appearance, he's crocked. He's sidelined for the entire 2006-2007 season. And West Ham just about get out of relegation trouble. Is that the Tevers year? I think it. Yeah, it must be timing wise, yeah. mustn't it? He comes in 2007, 2008. He scores 11 goals, signs a new five year deal, and receives his first England cap against Trinidad and Tobago. That was the game they say is like the worst pitch ever for an international game, if you can remember that one. Just what he needed. Yeah. He starts up front with Defoe. Defoe scores twice. Ashton comes off at half-time. His international career lasts all of 45 minutes. Oh, God. Then he scores both goals at the start of the following season with Zola then coming in. and in, So it's Zola's first session in charge. He gets injured. He makes four appearances and then retires in December of the following year. Jesus. Hopefully that doesn't sound too jumbled. Good season, of, uh, gets called up for England, injured, <laughs> scores 11 goals, injured again. Done. Yeah, pretty much. How yeah, good... It's only when we did this, I realised how stark that was. I knew it was bad. That was... How good actually was he and how good could he have been is the two not very simple questions to ask you to start this off. Yeah, because it's one of those things you wrestle with with him. Was he was he a good striker for West Ham? Or was he just playing a good striker who was going to go on to become something special? Or was, or was this it? Was this what you saw from him in that year they get to the FA Cup final? Was that that sort of career is what he's going to have? Which would have been a really good Premier League striker. Who do you think's better at him and Darren Bent? Is that a good place to start? Yeah, I mean, obviously stylistically different, but it could be that that... That could be the sort of career he has where, you know, then bounced around at a certain level of club. Spurs when they weren't quite as good. Sunderland he was good at. Villa he was okay at. So maybe Ashton could have had that sort of career. If you're going to, you're probably staying at West Ham at that stage, aren't you? Do you have Defoe as better than Bent? Yeah. Comfortably better? Enough, yeah. Heard the way they both speak about each other, Defoe and Bent? No. They both talk like it's fractions in it I do think it's them. close in that they're both as well but both just poachers really both got a decent turn of pace but both just want to score goals not interested in much else and Darren Bent score goals if you give him enough 
Premier League games, he'd score you a certain amount of Premier League goals. He was a decent guarantee of that. But I, I think Defoe probably had a little bit more. I saw that to him. Defoe goal back against Rangers the other day. Yeah, where yeah, it yeah. just drops. Unreal. I remember I watched um, when Cheltenham got Tottenham in the FA Cup. Shows you they had some players at that point. Defoe was in the second team. He played against them. him and Pav up front. So cheers. <laughs> and he, uh, just a ball into his feet against Champ Sunderbike. Steve Elliott was a big, big bloke. And Defoe, obviously a tiny fella, just rolled him. Like physically, he was just able to just roll him. I was like, oh, okay, these guys are, it was just, there was just levels. It was crazy. Just a little thing like that. It was just so easy for this guy who's, what, about five foot four, just to roll a guy because he knew how to use his body. Always quite like Defoe, considering who he plays for. Yeah, <laughs> he's a very likeable guy, isn't he? But back to Dean Ashton. Yeah, it is a very tough one. The, I would say, looking back at the quality of his goals, I do think good enough player, there's a roster of England strikers here and he's getting called up amongst them yeah is it fair to say that despite scoring in an FA Cup final maybe the most iconic moment of his career at least the most memorable for most the overhead kick consolation goal he scores against United is the one that I think of with his blonde hair Rio who obviously never made mistakes heads it up and backwards (laughs) Lord he, help us if Virgil did it. And he just bices it past Van der Sar. And he gets clapped at Old Trafford for that. Yeah, that that's definitely the goal that stands out. He it's a good job you mentioned that because I do think one of the things that was happening to him, even at that point in his career, we sort of see a certain strike of a certain size and just think it's gonna be a big man up top. But he was technically very good. It was 6-1 isn't that big. But either. he seemed like a, a bigger fellow, didn't he? And he was he was a big build. And he, you know, could use his body, good in the air, could hold the ball up. Ironically, of course, for England, we would have, at that point especially, gone, it's not working, throw on Dean Ashton, we'll lump it on his head. So we probably wouldn't have used him properly even then. It's probably something to take into consideration when we talk about what he could have been. But yeah, that's, that's the point that he... I thought he's a little bit quicker than people thought as well. It wasn't obviously it wasn't lightning quick, but till the injuries set in, I actually thought he had an all-round skill set that maybe wasn't always fully appreciated. And then when he did come back from the injury, I remember I did watch him thinking, "Yeah, you can't really move anymore." Like compared to his movement, I remember in the FA Cup final, for example, I remember thinking this guy's a real threat. Does Does Crouch have the same England career if Dean Ashton is fit? Oh, that's a good point. Because he's obviously still a bigger man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we're not going to be fleshing out England squads with all of these guys. And how many of Crouch's caps were, did he pick up as the plan B? And would Dean Ashton have, you know, been that plan B? Um, you could be right. He, at the very least, might have split some of the caps with him. Well, when I was trying to look at these tiers and see where we would put him in, I thought club altering feels high for a lot of these guys but I was looking at the strikers that he's in and around that are at the club at the same time as he's there so right from the start to the end of it Sheringham Marlon Harewood Bobby Zamora Carlton Cole Tevez for a year that he's injured obviously Craig Bellamy 
of Freddie Sears. <laughs> First of all, several of these, do they still go for Tevez if they've got a fit of fire in Dean Ashton in there? Is that just an opportunity that pops up and That's you bring him in? in questionable circumstances. Yeah. Does Carlton Cole have the career he has if Dean Ashton is... No, probably not. No, because he's obviously become a cult figure at West Ham, but he was ridiculed for being shit to begin with. <laughs> and he only got the time there because they didn't have many other options. So there's a certain there's a certain type of player at and it feels disrespectful saying clubs like West Ham, but basically any club outside of the top four at that time, the top six now, that if you're watching the game with your dad or whoever, and they go He's quite decent, he is. About like one player in the team, and I'll say it like you've never seen this guy play football before, and it's like I quite like him. He's he's quite decent. Dean Ashton is that guy. I remember being around my dad's my house, dad or family member's house, and going, <laughs> wouldn't mind him, you know. Yeah, yeah. And he isn't going to start for Man United at that time, or he isn't going to start for like Arsenal at that time with Thierry Henry, but he stood out enough that he was someone that. Maybe if if you were at school and you didn't know the whole West Ham side, he was probably going to be one of the players yeah. that you did know. Yeah, most definitely. The interesting thing with him would have been, would he have got a move? Because I don't necessarily think it would have worked out, but I wonder if a club might have took a punt on him, sort of Liverpool signing Benteke style. Um, and I'm not sure it would have worked out for him. I think he probably would have ended up going back to West Ham or a club in similar sort of fashion. There's a lot of these guys I'm convinced... Chelsea would have been going in for. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think all Ashton would have probably had to do was probably have another season like he had prior to the injury. And I think clubs would have been taking a look at because he still wasn't that old at that point. And they would have probably backed themselves to go, you know what, we can get players in around you to get more out of you. Well, we see some freakish numbers now. And I know maybe we sometimes had more proper strikers. So you could have a golden boot race where you'd have Drogba and Adebayor and whoever, Rooney or whatever. 11 goals is... You know, 11 goals for a striker? That's a pretty decent return, especially as a West Ham striker, when you look at, certainly, the comparatives there. Tevez is the only one that comes close to touching that. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I agree. He may not have stayed there, but maybe his whole career is different if he goes to the World Cup in 2006. If he goes fresh off the back of that FA Cup final yeah, to the World Cup see how signings happen with the World Cup. Maybe he gets signed by someone else straight after the World Cup because he signs a new deal the year after. So I've got to think the contract is going down. I, mean, I don't know that. But we obviously end up getting crouchy in. Maybe we'd have had a look. It's very interesting. So the tiers we have, he's probably the hardest one I have on this list to try and say without the injuries, how where would you have been? Mm-hmm. If you listen to any West Ham fan talk about him, it's like, it's been so long since I had the chance to have that name leave my lips. It's a name I've heard <laughs> it's in a long time. It's so nice to, that someone else is willing to engage me on this subject. Yeah. I don't. I feel like ability-wise, it's probably the pretty damn good, you know, yeah. solid professional. Their own fans are going to tell you, you don't understand how good this guy is. Yeah. But then there is some crossover with it being kind of club-altering as well that, fully fit guy like that when you've got West Ham battling relegation in around that time 
he's going to be club altering. Yeah. I've got him pretty solidly in the pretty damn good category, I think. Um, because if I said previously that maybe other fans didn't fully appreciate Jack Wilshere and Arsenal fans <laughs> overhype him, I'll have a bit of that and then some for West Ham fans <laughs> with Dean Ashton. The thing is, I actually don't disagree with the point they're making. I actually, I do agree. He would have been a very, very good player. Uh, but I don't know that he was quite what some of them think he was going to become. I think his career probably would have been one where I'd say, this is a very good player. He would make a move and I'd go on, you probably should have just stayed at West Ham and been a legend there and scored goals for them and been a top player for them. I think he would have had a couple of years of doing that, go to a bigger club, not got the game time he wanted for a couple of years. And we've seen with players, sometimes they don't quite come back from that. I wonder if that might have been more like his career. I I mentioned him to uh, Connor earlier today mm. and he said he played at Mark Noble's testimonial mm. and he said he scored an overhead kick and then had to go off. <laughs> so <laughs> it, was, it, yeah, it was it was true to form, form even yeah, yeah. still now. Um, let's look at the one maybe you've got the most interest on with this list and that is Daniel Sturridge. Mm one of the most talented English players I've ever seen and maybe the most underappreciated when you look at how, what he's reduced to now. Yes. Unreal talent coming through that uh, City team before they are the City of now. Debuts as an 18-year-old February 2007 as a substitute for Georgie Samaras. <laughs> then in the next few months, he picks up a hip injury. And it's the start of really sure. where we go from there. He scores in the FA Cup in around that time. Gets the move to Chelsea where they sign him. And I guess like they do now, he's signed to compete with Anelka and Drogba for the starting striker role. Gets a Premier League winner's medal. Gets an FA Cup medal. He's actually their top scorer in the FA Cup that season with four goals in four games. Then they bring in Torres to add to that mix. <laughs> he gets that Bolton loan where I guess he emerges properly. Yeah. Eight goals in 12 games. And then he joins Liverpool with Luis Suarez already at the club. And in his opening interview, he says, um, I want to play up front. Brendan, for all that's said about him now, gets a pretty good 4-3-1-2 system going if you want to boil it down to that. Mm. The pair of them up front. Can you talk just about how good this partnership was? Oh, it's almost it's almost impossible to put into words how excited you were watching them. Especially, you know, we'd had some pretty drab teams <laughs> for this point. Uh, not a huge amount of talent. And just immediately, they seemed to click and have an understanding that you couldn't really explain. And, I did wonder, you know, you say about Sturridge and I want to play as a striker. People immediately were like, well, both these guys are going to want to play through the middle. How is this going to work? Brendan normally plays a strict 4-3-3. Who's going to have to be the one to sacrifice here? And then I was looking at it thinking he'd often played wider for Chelsea. So is he going to do that for us as well? And then also something that I'd always felt watching him, but people didn't seem to think. I think people often, and especially now, think of Sturridge as, you know what, he's quick and a finisher, play on the shoulder of the last defender, running behind. When I'd watched him for Chelsea, and it's probably partly because he used to come in off the right, it was a lot of it was coming to the ball. 
and he was saying this in a, his recent Monday night with uh, Carragher, saying like, I was working a lot on what I was going to do getting him behind because I kept just coming to the ball. And I, in my mind, I was thinking, well, Suarez wants to do that as well. So we're just going to have two guys kind of dropping in, doing their own thing. Who's going to be the one going in behind? It turns out I needn't have worried. They're going to work <laughs> beautifully. Uh, and, Suarez, and Sturridge is going to be very, very good at that. That's one thing you touched on it to begin with. His all-round skill set, I think, was never fully appreciated. If you watch like a compilation of his stuff now, some of the passes and stuff he puts in to Suarez and to others, some of the crosses he whips in, sort of things you'd never really associate with Daniel Sturridge, I don't think. I think people think of him as some of the finishing, some of the sort of uh, flicks and tricks. But his all-round striker play, if you don't have these injuries, I think he could have been the complete striker. I associate him and I can't say who the goal's against, but um, there's a finish with the outside of his boot that I associate. When I think of him in my mind, that's a goal I think I'm not. Not the Europa final. It might be against West West Ham, but I'm not sure. But he's not even trusted as a winger in Chelsea's 2012 Champions League final. Ryan Bertrand is preferred to him in the squad and he's not included in it at all, which is why he says... So yeah, isn't it? I mean, but he says you know, he's not he's even. Must. He doesn't. He doesn't even get. Yeah, in the he squad. was on the periphery, wasn't he? Again, once they, uh, once they brought in, they'd already had obviously Drogba and Elka, and once you bring in Torres, Daniel's going to be surplus to requirements, isn't he? Do you think it took anything to play second fiddle to Suarez? Do you think he felt like that at all? Do you think it mattered? Well, I think he fully did think I'm on the same level as this guy, and we all might think that's crazy, but I think he fully believed it for a year at least and that's one thing that does get missed out in it in that season as a as much as technically this is still a Batman and Robin it really is a 1A 1B that season there were games where Sturridge was just as good as him because of what we know about Suarez and what he goes on to do as well he's always going to win that debate but that was genuinely they were this close and not dissimilar from at times I felt with Kane and Son I thought that's a Batman and Robin, but there is times where Son is operating at the same level as Kane. Similar with these guys, it's never historically going to be remembered that way. But that season, Sturridge was every bit as good as Suarez for large parts of it. He has that back heel assist to Suarez against Cardiff, mm-hmm. and he has that finish against City that is just like a daisy cutter that just skims yeah. off the surface. He manages thirty six starts in the next five seasons after mm-hmm. that year and when I mentioned earlier about managers just being done with I'd forgotten this Klopp quote about Sturridge but it's as scathing as I can see of any manager talking about a player and he says Sturridge needs to learn what's serious pain and what is only pain yeah that's one of the first things he says about Sturridge as well so this is early you go in and you go right I'm going to create a good impression pretty uh, a testament to Sturridge as a personality or to Klopp's man management behind the scenes that that didn't blow up and become an issue because you would think fairly fresh to a job you can't really be coming out and saying that about a player however having said that he is a fascinating thing with the injuries where with that being said about Klopp and I've seen uh, Rooney come out since and talk about how on England duty like him and Gerrard had to go to sort of Sturridge's room and basically talk him round to the fact like, that you're not injured they had to like talk to him and said, you are not. Said how much of this is like a psychological thing. Never heard him asked about it. Maybe people are a bit worried about asking him. That would have been a a genuinely interesting angle. That that Rooney interview, he did a few sort of, 
unleashed and a few people said he, that was never going to be the pick of it but as a Liverpool fan I remember looking at that and going that would have been interesting to get more answers on this because there is clearly something there with him where it kind of became either I don't trust my body or whatever or I think something's going to happen well I guess it can go both ways in that we said with Wilshire it was no matter what happens I'm just going to get back out there mm-hmm. whether I'm fit whether I'm not fit I'm just going to ride until the wheels fall off and it can go the other way if when you feel that you are fit it can be a case of well now I don't want to get injured yeah. and you can focus so much on that that you can either just not play properly or as you said just not play yeah and I wonder with the injuries you have every time you just feel just a slight tightness in your hamstring do you go well I'm not taking any chances uh, I don't know it always felt to me like kind of stupid from managers if they did try and force a player out out there to try and play because you're on a hide into nothing ultimately the player's either going to get pissed off with you or he's going to break down but either way it isn't great for you for your job I felt he actually ended up kind of managing it quite well Sturridge if you look at he has a couple of years with us where obviously he's no longer a starter but can come in and contribute still and that was probably something you would have probably questioned if someone of his personality was ever going to be able to do and again that's probably testament partly to Klopp's management and partly to Sturridge's own attitude and ability to adapt well, he get he gets screwed down the line, doesn't he? He has that move where he clearly is just wanting to play football. I don't know what can be done, but some of these ones where he gets punished for telling his brother that he's going to move to Panathinaikos, and the deal falls through, and he still loses yeah. what six months of his his yeah. career. It's it's so it's so stupid in that because I don't know how you can stop it. And if he's saying you know get some money on this, then maybe, but. Yeah, if you get the trippier text yeah, uh, when you call. It's very foolish. And then he goes to Australia and just doesn't work out at all from what you hear of the people that were over there speaking about it. He gave it a good go. He just physically couldn't do it. And they had 18,000 people packed in a stadium just to see him be unveiled over there. Fucking hell. And they say it's the biggest signing in their history and it just doesn't go to plan, obviously. But I mean, what year is the title race with... 13-14. Okay, so probably the last great moment he has in his career is the goal against Wales at the Euros. You're probably right. <laughs> yeah. And it's not a bad moment to no, go no, out no. on. Yeah, again. It's- I had to look up. I'd almost forgotten it was him because I'd just written off that after that, he's just done, basically. Yeah, well, it, the following season, he I think he has like a, a small injury and then goes on international duty, aggravates it with England... And then, yeah, ever since, it is just a string of injuries. I'm not saying that training session in England kills his career or anything because he'd had a couple of injuries prior to this anyway. But that's where it really sets in of, oh, this guy is going to be injured forever now. He averages missing 10 games a season, at least over his entire career. And you look from, from when he turns pro, his injury history, ankle, hamstring, groin, ankle, ankle, hamstring, hip, hamstring, calf, hip, hip, hamstring. I mean... That's not even one page of his injury history. Yeah. Now, the tougher question is how good could he have been? Now, if we look at just English strikers over the years and say Rooney's top, then Kane, and then we've got this kind of muddle of Defoe, Crouch, Vardy, Walcott, whoever, this just going through goal scorers really at that point. Where are you putting him? Could he have been up there with Rooney and Kane? Was he better than Defoe? Where... I think definitely better than Defoe in that, in terms of what he could be. 
I think better than that, I think he's got more, a much higher ceiling than those type of players. I think had he not had the injuries, he could have been on the sort of tier of Kane and them. I don't disagree. I think he's that good. I think he had that much talent. A different type of strike, obviously. And that could have dovetailed nicely with these players. Uh, yeah, I, I just think if you look at that season where we do challenge for the title and how electric he was, there's something special there. And it could have worked nicely with Rooney's legs starting to go, him dropping slightly deeper, Sturridge sort of playing that, that role. It could have worked nicely. Instead, that, with all due respect to him, you have someone like Danny Welbeck end up leading the line a lot for England, who's a good, solid player. But the, in terms of talent, you know, I, I don't think the two really compare. We're not going to do the Welbeck without injuries question today, but <laughs> let me tell you, that Champions League hat trick. Oh, you've got even more England counts. Yes. I do. I do agree, and I think his style of play is really the kind of striker every person dreams about their club signing. If you sign an unknown player, you tee up his like comp on YouTube. That is what you want to see from the guy you've got coming in because you have the range of finish, the personality. You've got just a bit of everything, really. Um, it's, I don't know if he could have done anything different. You said he gets almost too cautious by the end. I don't know if it's one thing. For a lot of these guys... He tailored one- his game by, I'm no longer sprinting. <laughs> he just didn't sprint anymore. Well, with several of these, there's one moment where you go, that's where it turned. And there's some way it's just from the age of 17, their body said, you should not have this as a profession. Yeah, and you it's be just a around. constant battle against that their entire lives. Um, so you put, is he all-timer? For you, is that? Because Kane is Kane's going to, if you had to put Kane in one of these tiers now, yeah, Kane's an so- all-timer, is he not? I look at it, the guy's got 26 England caps. You get like, that's... If you told me at the end of that 2013-14 season that that's what it's going to end up with, I'd have laughed at you. That, that summer, Chelsea signed Diego Costa after we've... Uh, after Gerard's slip year. And I had a bet with a Chelsea fan that Sturridge would score more goals than Costa that whole the season. That didn't go so well for me. But that shows you the level of confidence I had in this guy. And I've... I think it's partly baked into Liverpool's thing with Suarez as well, where we let him go. And look, we bring in Ricky Lambert, Fabio <laughs> Barini and Mario Balotelli. Not fantastic, but I think there was also a feed of, well, Suarez is our main guy. So these guys, if they're enough of a compliment for him, that'll be fine. If we if we do the what if thing with him, and if we assume what we've said here, we can't say he's going to be all-time a player here, but he just doesn't play for Klopp. So, is it more likely, if we look at your most famous front three, Salah, I'm assuming he's a fixture there, is it more likely that Firmino isn't a part of that front three? Is it more likely that Mane isn't a part of that front three? No, I think I think he would, I think Klopp would still play storage through the middle. So, it's, it's an interesting thing with him. Would he... I never got the impression Klopp was in love with Sturridge because I remember even a different interview he gives about him is Sturridge has a Sturridge game where he is on it and Klopp looks visibly shocked. He looks like, I didn't realise this guy had this in the locker. And so I kind of wonder coming in, did he ever fully rate him? Because even at a time where Firmino wasn't yet what Firmino goes on to become as the false nine and it didn't always necessarily work, that always felt like that was Klopp's preference. Even at a time when Origi was starting to show us a bit at that point, we wonder what he might become. Sturridge was established. 
whenever there was just an okay game from one of those guys, he would put Firmino back in that role and start trying to work out this thing that he was doing. I actually think it might just be frustration because I would encourage you to look back at the tribute that Klopp writes when Sturridge leaves the club. Mm. And he, he says something along the lines of... Um, I've seen this guy score goals in training that you wouldn't even dream of being possible. Mm. And Klopp, I'm sure, if Flanagan had left, well, he does leave under Klopp, doesn't he? But I'm sure he could have written him a tribute that made him sound like Kafu. Yeah, 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 yeah. But there is there's just something in there that has to be more frustrating than never having that guy in your career. I thought he'd said something previously, or maybe it's Sturridge said something previously, that I thought one had said if they could have had three years with the other, then they would have liked to have seen what they could have done. And I don't know if it was Klopp said that about Sturridge or Sturridge said that about Klopp. Okay, well, I too would also have liked to have seen that. That would have been interesting. Yeah, yeah. I'd, obviously, if, if Klopp inherits storage straight off the back of a season like 2013-14 I think my perception of that relationship is probably entirely different and you know even if he was a more traditional striker than what Klopp ends up playing for the middle he would have been so good that Klopp would have found something to do with him and would have you know but then in a different world like that if Sturridge is still playing that well Brendan might keep his job. Yeah. Klopp doesn't come in and the whole thing doesn't happen anyway. If Wenger no. goes earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Klopp goes to the arse. All right. Um, let's talk about, and I've said a couple of these today, an all-time big miss for me, and that is Abu Dhabi. Out injured 18 times <laughs> while at Arsenal, with his longest stint on the sideline being 391 days with a crucial lig- with a cruciate ligament rupture. In total, he makes only 179 appearances, 44 as a substitute during his nine years in North London, scores 19 goals, assists 16. Ever since Patrick Vieira left in 2005, every midfielder we've signed was in the hunt for the next Vieira. Yes. I mentioned it with Wilshire. But Diaby was maybe the first great casualty of the Arsenal don't like it upper mirror. Aaron Ramsey is probably the last significant one where there's a one incident that you can point to and say, how is this ever happening on a football pitch? Dan Smith, a man whose career will forever be associated with the guy that injured Abu Diaby and not a lot more. <laughs> He's done so many interviews since defending himself. He really? can keep oh, trying to defend himself and there is no defending it. The tackle he puts in is horrendous. He's got his face screwed up. He's jumping into this. They're 3-0 down. It's in stoppage time of a game. It's in the 91st minute of a match. They have no hope in for the remainder and he's gone in to hurt someone and take his frustration out on someone. I'm just seeing a quote from the sons of the manager at the time saying Smith isn't that type of player. Yeah. So you're telling me... That pinhead Dermot Gallagher is the ref <laughs> and he gives a yellow card. It is... It's it's just... I remember Wenger suggested afterwards that he could be tried for assault and that becomes the big joke rather than it being about this horrible tackle that we've seen. He's playing in a Champions League final a few weeks later if... 
this doesn't happen. He's, probably, he's not going to start in that midfield, but he's playing or he's involved in a Champions League final a few weeks later. I just want to be sure no one thought I was saying we'd have won that Champions League final if Diaby is in there. But he, he honestly could do it all. And the thing that is maybe pointed to the most when you bring up the injury is that his best form does come after this injury. Hmm. This injury happens, I think, four months into his Arsenal career. Yeah. Which is unusual compared to some of these others. But it's quite clear before and after. Yeah. The reason why he keeps breaking down is obviously as a result of this injury. He says his foot just never, his ankle just never feels the same. Well, so he had to go through like three surgeries just initially. They say his ankle was shattered, is how they described That's it. That's crazy. He's six foot three. He would just glide across the pitch. He could eat up ground like Declan Rice. Sounds like I have it to me. Yeah. Scored again. Maybe that's why Jack's not here. <laughs> he loved playing Liverpool. Probably his two best performances are against Liverpool. He scores, I think, a diving header to beat you in what's probably the best game I can remember him having in that yellow shirt against Liverpool. I think we maybe two or three nil that night. Yeah. And at Anfield, he just scores a drive to put us ahead in the game where Gerard steals our lunch money and so much more with a dive right at the end of that game. Great that stuff. Probably the Arsenal game I found it hardest to get over. Not that I've hidden that well. It takes three surgeries to get back from that initial injury. And this is where you might start looking at me funny because I probably shouldn't have gone so big on Wilshire if I was going to go so big on Diaby after he could have been anything that he wanted in this team. I think we could have been looking at a Yaya Torre type in our midfield with him. He was so, so good. That's huge words you're saying there. He could play as a six. He could play as an eight. He could play as a 10. He could tackle. He could hold people off on the ball. He could keep it under pressure. He could pass. He had range of passing. He could read the game and he would pop up in these great places like at a back poster or a diving header. 2009-10 is when he makes a career high number of appearances with 40 in all comps. We haven't extended the season. Yeah. He gets seven and six in there and then he only plays 42 more times across five seasons. Yeah, I do remember some of those later seasons going, oh, he's still at the club. Yeah. Well, Wenger, Wenger did this for a lot of players. Yeah. He felt if you got injured on his watch, it was the club's duty and he had the power to do this. And so... A bit mad, isn't it? Looking back. When we're giving now El Nenny one year because he was injured, Wenger was saying four more years. <laughs> I think he felt for some of these players, he felt a responsibility of that. I know football is a business, but as I say, you got injured on, on my watch. I should have, maybe there was something I could have done. I don't know. Mm. But yeah, he he had six separate injuries that kept him on the sideline for a hundred or more days through his career. And all we really have to sit back on is him sending John Terry's head to the moon. And he couldn't even enjoy that properly, he said, because of how all the injuries he's had, he thought he'd killed him. 
<laughs> to be fair, a lot of us did. <laughs> it wasn't quite the same reaction to it as you, I mean, but no. uh, a lot of us did. Oh, what? Yeah, that's genuinely, other than cooking us in a game, yeah. is the next thing I remember that man for. Um, a lot to unpack about what you just said there. Uh, Wilshire is the one where, as much as people don't like him, I think Arsenal fans can get the most collective sympathy. Yep. Diaby is the one, if you ran a poll on Twitter tomorrow and said, Arsenal fans, who's the biggest miss of an injured player? I think he tops the poll. Yeah. Because, because there's more of a what if with him as well. Yeah. And also you got, yeah, you got something out of Wilshire still, even with that. Whereas this was you know, pretty stark. The only thing with him being is, I have seen players who have had that slight run where you think they could be a Yaya Torre type of player. And it doesn't quite happen. Nowhere near on this level. So you, before you, you know, throw up of what I'm about to say, do you remember that Modiame? He had a yeah. spell of like a few games where people were like, you know what, this guy's an absolute monster, and then he reverted to being Modiame. Now, Abudiabi had a lot more ability than that. But my point is, when you've got a pretty small sample size like that, you can kind of get carried away with it. I also felt as well the as a stylistic comparison him and Vieira I always felt Diaby was actually more of a technical player who happened to be a little bit bigger so his technical ability was great and again I would have looked at him more forward thinking and I wouldn't have been going you get in there in the engine room I'd have looked at him a little bit more forward thinking because I think he was that good going forward Wenger was the one that really kept the Vieira comparison going yeah. for me with the Yaya thing it's largely on aesthetics which I don't need to break down too mm. much there but Wenger said he was better going forward than Vieira which Vieira's highlights would maybe have you convinced that this right. guy would play the, the opposite ten. problem where people act like he was almost like a just to destroy and break up the play and forget how good he was carrying the ball and passing the I ball. I think there's few things as exciting as a fan as seeing you have a midfielder that can just stride through midfield yeah. and you yeah. can brush players off like that. And the start of his career when he came in, he did legitimately look like Bambi on ice when he's in. But that just looked like he been born and given a six foot three frame and he's now now figuring it out it. yeah yeah because i was that little game is a real life eye opener for it for me not just how good he was but like physically how where he'd got to because i did think he was the most classic example of the lanky streak of piss in the team who people think is going to be bigger and stronger because he's a certain height and just isn't just isn't that guy and he in that game technically he was great but physically he was a monster as well well he he's i guess where we have this um category of you know their fans would have him up at this just I've got him all timer that is <laughs> him him and Wilshire with one of Ramsey uh, so one of these I'm saying we could have had it all <laughs> the only thing I've got to say here when we're doing our what if for one player, we can't then go, well, what if his other mate no, no. and the other mate also no, no. Um, stayed I'm not, I'm free, just, right? I'm just, no, I'm, I'm not, I'm not saying, I'm saying it's, it's painful to say, you know, I there was, su there was yeah. such talent that, that we had in here. And that's why I said at the start, I'm reeling off all these names, but I don't know how many of them we actually sign if these guys stay fit yeah. because, yeah, yeah. There was, there was such talent there. But Diaby was one of these players that really Wenger 
it was like a, it was a Wenger signing there. So a young French lad that he picks up, but as much the, the the Dan Smith one is really the the key the key moment here. He came through at um, Auxerre, I think it was, and he was playing with the men's team at a young age, but then was keeping with the reserves. And he wasn't playing that often because of just this getting used to his frame. And the manager basically said, they haven't happened yet, but I can see these injuries happening because of all the, I don't know, he explained it in a far better way. Basically he said he was an injury waiting to happen. Yeah. And it's probably why we pick him up for the price we did. It's pennies. But then you see these moments and it felt like, okay, this guy's going to kick on now. And then his body just said, no, that's not going to happen, I'm afraid. So, I, um, I'm i going to have him in the third tier. You're not going to like it. Only on, I actually think, I actually don't disagree with how you rate him. I actually think he, I suspect he may have been an inconsistent type of player. Regardless, I just, look, it, it is hard to tell because of how early that injury occurs. But I just suspect he may be that type of player who, will give you games like the Liverpool game, but also give you some nondescript games amongst them. I think there's a tendency with these type of players sometimes where we'll sort of go, well, he missed out, say, 100 games. Uh, 70, 80% of those would have been belters. And I think potentially it's probably more like 20 or 30% would have, would have been. Um, Which, by the way, 20 or 30% of those playing, playing at that level is a very good player and, and would have been very useful for Arsenal, especially at that time. I'm putting my stock in Wenger to say he's made more with less, basically. Yeah, but at this time, Wenger is beginning to... I would I would say, so this is... Uh, where we may have time to talk about one of these players. That 2008 side is as pure a Wenger ball as yeah. you're ever going to yeah, see. Yeah, yeah. And he's right in the thick of that. In fact, that's the year he misses because of his injuries in... Him, Van Persie, Adebayor, and Eduardo all go down in that same year. I don't know. I, I say, and they're going to play different positions on the pitch. Wenger had less to work with with someone like Flamini. And it's not as simple as to say, you know, rankings-wise, he'd have been 60 in this and 60 in that. And Wenger got him to this. But I don't know. I, I think the the trajectory he was on, and this is why we're doing this because we're never going to know. Yeah, it just it just felt like there was everything there, and this was the guy Wenger had been waiting for. When you see Wenger talk about him, and Wenger's spoken this way about far worse players, I'm sure Wenger could bring a tear to your eye talking about Gavin Hoyt. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, this was supposed to be. We're kind of working in that we're not the invincibles, but. We're getting a bit more of this in now. So we have Klebs, but we're also bringing in Julio Baptista and we're bringing in, yeah, and we're doing this kind of stuff. It doesn't work out each time there's one piece missing in the, in, in the jigsaw. But I don't know. I, I, I've got. That'd be a good comp for, I guess, my point actually, where I would say someone like Flamini is obviously nowhere near the talents of someone of that uh, Diaby but I know what I'm getting out of him I'd have got a solid game from him I think you'd have had him playing at sort of like a seven each game and Diaby would have given you eights and nines one week and kind of no shows a few hours I again in the same way as you don't know how great he could have been I can't say this with a huge amount of qualification I think he would have been inconsistent at just 
what I saw from him. I did think those games at Liverpool won were enough in the minority that I would go, maybe this is just injury, but maybe that's the type of player you are. Let's say there's more of those type of players than consistent ones, isn't there, ultimately? Flamini, very disrespected by the everyman. My, yeah. my he fa- was, for a spell, he was a very good holding midfielder. My Facebook um, memories thing, you know, the on this day, the other day, I was clearly just begging for a Tottenham fan to at me. <laughs> And that doesn't sound like you from the time. It's it must Facebook, be bro. it must be the night he smashes Corluca. Nice. And I've got like six statuses I can see. <laughs> Flamini got the ball. Flamini did nothing wrong. Joe Jordan was going to get smashed by Gattuso. Colon capital L. And just no one is no one is. Like, no one's going. Oh, and with each one, I'm just it's just more blatant. Yeah, more desperate. And yeah, no one ever does. Ouch. So rough, but I was—I could very clearly pinpoint the night with just the <laughs> row of them all together. That's be a fun game. We go back through your old status and work out what happened. Some, what game was this? I see some, and I, I don't know how much you would post on Facebook. If I see something and I cringe particularly, I'll delete it so I never have to see it again. <laughs> if you see someone has written on your wall and I go I don't want to know I don't what want I wrote to know the other happened. way well because you don't see what you post on other people's oh, on the day Jesus. so if For you see you, one on yours be... it's like what have I posted there I was not in the business of doing yeah. that to However, get this you, response. Were, you were more active alright another one that I'm sure you'll take great pleasure speaking about and that or maybe not actually might be the greatest what if on this list and we've spoken about some great ones here and that is Michael Owen now he might actually feel out of place on this list I was going to say I'm going to as a greatest what if feels almost disrespectful to the career that Michael Owen does I'm going to make the point as to why yeah go on so he's both a Premier League and Ballon d'Or winner but I do still feel there's a what if surrounding him Mm. he's 26 when he returns to the Premier League with Newcastle suffers a thigh injury unfortunately during the pre-season that puts him out for the start of it breaks the metatarsal bone in his foot that December after scoring a perfect hat-trick the week before supposed to be out till March doesn't go as planned he comes back for the final few weeks of the season then says it doesn't quite feel right says I'm actually not going to play the end of this season I want to go to the World Cup goes to the World Cup and gets injured one minute into it Seven and eleven that season, his first season with Newcastle. Not bad considering he was never really fit, but then it's just downhill from there. He's out for a year following the Sweden game. He then misses fifty days in December of two thousand and seven. Then he gets mumps. <laughs> when you know your luck's out. <laughs> It shook me because on um, transfer market is just down his illness, and I thought, what what illness could he have possibly had? And I thought, was he depressed? Was it something like what way did they just put it down? And I thought, yeah. mumps. Yeah, <laughs> I remember that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The um, the spell a couple of years ago where Curtis Jones gets kept getting injured, and then he was out with like an eye injury. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know this is not happening for you right now. Yeah, then it's groin, ankle, hamstring. His body just breaks down. But he's only thirty-one when he joins United. Mm. And I know the injuries for Van Persie are front-loaded compared to Owen, who's, we'd say, they're back-loaded. Mm. They both win Premier League titles there, unfortunately. 
with a huge difference in the weight of responsibility on their shoulders. So my point here is, if Owen is injury-free after a year at Newcastle, if we assume the 7 in 11 he gets at 26 years old means still a pretty good player there, yeah. we know now that there's a release clause of between 9 million and 12 million because even after that season there of the injury, there's talk of you know, who's going to pick him up, all these players interested. Does he go right back to Liverpool with this start if he shows that he can do it in the Premier League again? If I point out, you spend more on Dirk Coit that summer. Yeah, but Rafa if, really loved Dirk Coit. So, if it's, not, if it's not you, do Chelsea, United or Arsenal not point. go in? Do che- Ars- Chelsea of this time. Yeah. All over it, you'd feel. He has to come out and deny that he's going to go to one of these the year that... So they... Allardyce is coming in and he Owen says, you know, I think this could be the start of some really good times at Newcastle. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't go to plan. But my, my point for the what if is he comes back here at 26. He's already got the history... He has at Liverpool. He's a Ballon d'Or winner. You have to think, he could be having golden boot races with Thierry. He could be for one of these big clubs, even if it's not Liverpool. In fact, it's probably better if it's not Liverpool for what he can go on to achieve in this time frame. Yeah. If I quick fire some questions at you and we'll just put where you think he could be minus the injuries. Is Owen better than Fernando Torres? Oh, that's a push. You You reckon that... Injury free, Ballon d'Or winner Owen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. That's because he's not 18 year old Owen. But if we're taking, we're essentially taking 90 percent of the injuries off this guy's career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Not everyone peaks at the same age, but a 26 year old Michael Owen back in the league with something to prove after being at Real Madrid. And obviously, a decent amount of Torres' success with us is the fact that he's playing with a prime Gerrard. So Owen's getting prime Gerrard. It's a good point. Yeah, that's dead, dead level, I would say. Now, how this was supposed to go is you were supposed to agree quickly to the Torres one, and then I say... It's going to get harder. Was he, well, I was then going to say, is he better than Suarez? And this was where you were supposed to have the moment of going, oh, this is... So no, he's not better. It backfired because yeah. <laughs> I thought I read the situation. But like, I, yeah, if he's going toe-to-toe with Thierry, I think he probably is at Chelsea or United at that time. Yeah. United think they can get one over on Liverpool and bring in prime Michael Owen. Yeah. And he's going to be, what, up front with, with Rooney at that time? Yeah. The, the question is, would that have tilted us into going in for him? Or him and Shearer is maybe an all-time great partnership. They make that work. Hmm. It, it it doesn't bear thinking about from your perspective what could have what could have happened there if Rafa chooses not to bring him in and he goes to one of those other big boys and he smashes it for that fee as well it's 12 million I think the first year 9 million if they wait a year after so what 9 million for Michael Owen yeah that's there's a lot of stuff that goes on around that time that you go like the decision making from various people what's going on <laughs> and like with us I think it was once we'd sold into Madrid for like I think it was like eight and a half million I think the club was just not going to go for whatever reason whether it's optics whatever was never going to go particularly over that to get him back in we could have had Burkamp on the way out at Arsenal do you like the stylistic fit 
I feel like all these managers say great players play well together and that's that's how we make it work. And I actually do think even his, his spell at United actually showed me with Owen that, you know what, he actually was a smarter player than I kind of realised. He adapted his game. I remember watching him at United thinking like, as much as his legs aren't there anymore, like the movement is still there and he could he could drop in a link at play a little bit better than I expected for a guy who predominantly you look at and go, this is just a lightning quick lethal finisher. He actually you know, had more sort of game intelligence, if you will, than I gave him credit for. And you kind of showed that once the legs were going. If he's injury free, who do you think has a better Premier League career, Owen or Aguero? Oh. Do they sign Aguero? So you're saying he becomes like the marquee? I'm, I was essentially trying to look for a strong little striker that I can say, who can I put you in there with? But I, I don't. I think that been late twenties by then. Would you? I think we have to. We have to back that. If he scores half fit, for the sample size here is he scores seven in eleven for Newcastle when coming back. If we then say you're playing that whole season and you're not getting injured, I think we have to back that you're at least one of the best strikers in the league. And I then, think feasibly, if he's 26 when he comes back, yeah. I think feasibly you can get probably five or six more years of Owen, of close to prime Michael Owen, if we say, if we allow for maybe some natural decline anyway, but the injuries aren't like what they are. Yeah, you can probably have five or six more years. Of and he wasn't Owen shy about saying would. that Newcastle wasn't his first choice. So, yeah, that was probably not and best. I think we see later down the line, maybe he's not as desperate. You think if, if he's at Newcastle and Man United come in for him, he says, no, but I, Liverpool fans love me. Oh, yeah. I mean, he's not scraping around so, the options he has at that point, is it? So the United thing probably never happens, no. You think if if you if he's at Newcastle and United come in for him that summer, do you think he turns it down to say, I can't upset the Liverpool fans? If he's balled out, if he's, you know... Yeah, if he smashed it, the only team that comes in for him is Man United and it's to stay at Newcastle or go to United... Well, that's a bit of a tricky question because if he smashed it, they're not going to be the only club coming for him, are they? It's your issue. <laughs> Maybe. The reason he had no one else coming for him at this time is because things hadn't gone well. His injury, his body was breaking down. I'm so if you say, I'm well, his saying. body isn't breaking down, he's playing well, this situation isn't happening. But then you said you said the Liverpool might not go in for him. So we're all logic but we is were, Yeah, I know, but <laughs> yeah. you know, I think Rafa was an odd guy. <laughs> and the club, at this point, what, Hicks and Gillette don't take over till... 2007. Well, that's why I looked at the money you spent to say so, we can we can quite easily say Liverpool have a choice of do we sign Dirk Cote or do we sign Michael Owen. Sure. At that point, you hope that even if Rafa's not the one making the decision, someone is saying we're getting this good fucking guy. We don't like care it. if we piss you off. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to get this guy in. Yeah. I, I'm not sure we did have anyone to do that. I think that was maybe one of our uh, many issues at the time. Well, you put you bring Coit in, you don't bring in Jermaine Pennant and Craig Bellamy <laughs> and you use that money instead it feels like there's a lot of things you could do to get this one over we the line we two of the biggest problem players of recent times but we, where do we put Owen with that because he's already oh yes we forgot the key part because there. he's already got a historic career but that's why I've, I think he's already considered an all-timer and so if we then take any hindrances away from him this is a guy who's 18 years old. We're talking about as one of the best strikers that's yeah. ever been seen. If, yeah. you, if you say he carries on that way, it's a bit of a hiccup that he's gone to Madrid at this stage. He then comes back after a year. Yeah, I. 
yeah, I'd have him in the top tier because yeah. of it's, and it seems crazy because of what a career he did have, but that shows you what what talent he had was that we consider his a what if still. He's he's still like an unfulfilled career, which is ridiculous. That's what, what that's why I thought I've got to justify here that there's still so much left on the table. Yeah. By yeah, there really is by these injuries. Thomas Rizicki. A great what if again in my life as an Arsenal fan. Wenger dubbed him Little Mozart. He said, if you love football, you love Thomas Rizicki. Loved the goal against Tottenham. I can point you to the banger he scored in a 1-0 win at their place. The little toe in at the near post to put his ahead after being down 2-0 at the Emirates. Win 5-2. In running from the halfway line after Danny Rose tried to cross turn as the last man for some <laughs> bizarre reason. He takes an age to shoot but dinks it in the net. He's part of that Czech Republic side with Petr Cech, Pavel Nedved, Jan Koller and Milan Barosh. The boys. Captains it after uh, Koller retires. He comes in to replace Perez when Wenger is again just stacking his team with these technical guys. He had, if I said about Wilshire had such a distinct style of running, I don't think everyone could do this. I think you could show me Riziki's silhouette and I could get that's Thomas Riziki. He had this very jittery style of running like... He knew that he was injury prone and let me not sprint because I know what could happen here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think he was a fun player for anyone that tuned in. Um, I like he would just punch the ball between the lines. He'd seize responsibility, get the tempo moving. Should have scored more. When he did score, they were bangers. Yes. Over 10 years, he makes 247 appearances. He spent 1,322 days injured. Jesus. Only made more than 20 league appearances once. Missed two whole seasons through injury. He spent nearly... He spent over four years injured. <laughs> and this was so... Wenger bought him knowing this as well. So this is one where we're going back and we're stopping his injuries early doors. Right. Um, yeah, because I was looking at the record prior to being at Arsenal. I thought, the game time isn't that bad. It's not standout, but... By comparison to what he does, the injuries were known basically before right. we get it, and as he gets older, it only gets worse, and he's playing in a more physical league and all of these things. I think to his detriment, he only had one way of playing, wasn't particularly flexible, and I actually think that's why Wenger loved him as much as he did. Really, mm. there's an interview that I would have mentioned to Jack here, and I know how he'd have, how he'd have responded that. Riziki was asked about Chelsea's style of play at that time, and he basically said, "Well, it's, it's boring." <laughs> that he wouldn't want to play in a team like that. And I'm sure it's very easy for the player that isn't winning trophies to say, I wouldn't yes. want to play in that team. Yes. We have seen players previously say, like with, whether it's in Man City's team, it's just not fun playing like this. It's why so many players want to leave, I think, because they've achieved it. And now let me go have some fun somewhere else. He scored one of Arsenal's best ever goals against Sunderland, a move very similar to the Norwich one. Hmm. He's got some beauties against Liverpool as well, actually. Yes, again. Yeah. yeah. There's one yeah. with the inside of his foot that he just curls in. I think from that week where we had you in the League Cup, the FA Cup, and the League, and I think we win all three. The FA Cup game, Riziki scores that goal, and it's the one where Omri puts Carragher in a blended untouched line and he just knocks it round him. Jesus, is that the same game? I believe so. They both got the same. It's the yellow shirt with the black O2. Blimey. And then it's the Julio Baptista game. You're going to say, because I remember Baptista. Yeah. That's the League Cup 6-3. I'm thinking 
is the crossover I don't get if I get my timelines mixed up here, but yeah I remember thinking again, another player who cooked us. He was Diaby comes back for ten minutes in that six three game. Just There's dunking on us, just just <laughs> everybody coming in joy. <laughs> yeah, and I think I think it's two nil three one six three. Yeah. If it's not a week, it's ten days or something like that. <sighs> Bloody hell. Rough. Thank God we weren't podcasting that. Yeah. <laughs> um Yeah, it's, final ball was great. A lot of great finishes. Um just a quintessential Wenger player, really. But I'm to maybe your shock. I don't think he's an all timer. That's good of you. I think he's I think he's quite comfortably the the tier three. I think he's still a pretty good player for Arsenal fans to talk about. I think he has an above average career if he doesn't have the injuries. I think he has an above average career anyway because he has the moments that yeah. get sprinkled in there. But yeah, I think, but then even if there's other players we could talk about, if they're fit a little bit more, then his game time is probably limited yeah. a bit more as well. He's kept Arsenal so long because he's always injured when it comes to contract time and Wenger just hated letting these players go. So you've got, I mean, Santi's in the team at this time that he could be playing with, Ramsey, Wilshire, all of these guys. So, Yeah, I always thought he was a player who had freakishly good ability and quicker than I thought as well across the pitch. Um, I could obviously strike a ball. For that being said, I would have thought he should have scored more than he did even when he was fit. Definitely. So that kind of leads me to think that maybe he would have been that inconsistent player again. I, I said it, probably with less justification for the arbit for him I think there's probably there's more data for me to sort of say I think you may have always been that yeah. type of player but you'd have obviously had a lot more games out of him to do it but I think that's probably a tier three would have been better but I think it would have been very similar still Ledley King then even outside of Tottenham circles he's one that is described as one of the great what ifs in the English game at least hmm. Now, the Thierry Henry quote about him being his toughest opponent works wonders for him and his PR. And maybe absence did let the heart grow fonder in some terms of how he's remembered. In reality, the quote wasn't actually that. I don't want to break some hearts here. Ouch. It's, I mean, it's still not a bad quote. What he says is after Euro 2004, he says... I don't like defenders who hold the shirts of other players. The only defender here who doesn't do that and sometimes still gets the ball off my feet easily is Ledley King. Okay. So it's nice. It's not the only guy that could guard me in my career. It's very misleading (laughs) compared to, yeah. (laughs) How good do you think he could have been? Well, the really nasty thing to say here is... And it's a similar, I guess, with Dean Ashton at West Ham is you all might say how good this guy could have been. If he was as good as you say he was going to be, he wasn't going to be at your club much longer. <laughs> no, That's the sad that. news. Tottenham at this point were not going to keep hold of Lily King if he was this guy. Now, I know they will say, you know, he's come through at Tottenham. He loved the club. If he was this great so soul, he would have been gone. Yeah. <laughs> he may not have quite done a, yeah. He may not have quite done a soul, but not dissimilar. Um, that interview is so weird. I'm staying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, little did we know what Sol Campbell was going to become as a character. Um, I actually, the interesting thing with Lady King, I think he probably was every bit as good as 
a lot of Spurs fans are saying he was going to be. But even then, would that have been better than Rio Ferdinand, John Terry, Prime Sol Campbell? Jonathan Woodgate. I think you so for example, I think he wasn't quite in, as he could have maybe entered the tier of those three, but I don't think he would have been decisively better than them. And he'd have been doing it at Tottenham and probably would have been punished for that by comparison. But then I think Jonathan Woodgate probably would have had a better career without injuries, but I think he was probably a better talent than him. And Jonathan Woodgate is really, really good. Yeah, so Terry gets injured before we face France at Euro 2004 and it's Ledley King that comes in alongside Campbell in a game where Zidane then scores two to dump us out. But 21 England appearances between 2002 and 2010 it's actually heading into the 2006 World Cup where he would have made the cut again before he gets a metatarsal injury, which is pretty spot on for <laughs> Ledley King. He does make it to um, the 2010 World Cup, which is mad. <laughs> that was a sign that, yeah, Capello's kind of not quite getting this because they were like, <laughs> yeah, he can't actually train and he he's just he's breaking down. I remember they called him up and then I think they let him go. So it was like, you are sending out totally the wrong messages all around here. Like, it wasn't a myth. He substituted what halfway happened. through the game with the USA. Right, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, <sighs> ridiculous. <laughs> there's, uh, in terms of uh, moments when I was uh, looking back, there's a slide tackle on Iron Robin, which probably sums him up. And mm-hmm. he says that when Spurs fans stop him in the street and not great, that this is the moment they're pinning on to. <laughs> But it's the first win they have against Chelsea in God knows how long. The ball drops into Iron Robin. Looks like he's got all the time in the world and just out of nowhere. Ledley King just eats up the ground, gets a big block in. They actually score from the corner afterwards, but they still win the game. But as a moment, (laughs) yeah, yeah, it's great to look back on. By the time Harry Redknapp's in charge, he's unable to train during the week. He just had to do a few gym sessions and try and keep his ligaments intact. Partners Michael Dawson to get them back into the Champions League. But yeah, I have the same thing down. If he is at Spurs that long and he's injury free, then he's not the talent you think he is. If he is the talent you think he is, then he's not at Spurs that long. You could even look at the way Man United would buy talents. He may be the guy that's in there before Vidic. Like Vidic doesn't go to United and Ledley King comes in there. Fergie would have been all over that. Especially... You know, when he's first coming through at Spurs, if you assume he'd have been seen as a young talent, early noughties, they, they were legitimately a mid-table team. So someone would have come in and, and probably poached him. If if they could hang on to him till, say, mid-2000 by the time Martin Yole comes in, maybe you'll then go in, if he's like a one of the best centre-backs in Europe and Spurs are on the up, maybe that would have been slightly different. Maybe he, you know, maybe they get in the Champions League that year and who knows that instead of, you don't have Pizzagate and all the rest of it that, sort of cha- changes the direction for Spurs for a little bit. I will say, but the thing with the not training and then playing, when I was young, I probably didn't acknowledge just how freakish that is to be able to do that. That's, you know, if you go say, it doesn't even, if you keep yourself in half decent shape, but then go and play a game of football, yeah. you'll be knackered. Yeah. It's just a different type of thing. And then to not be able to run, anyone who's done like any other form of exercise, if you do like, you know, if you do like miles on a bike or swimming or whatever, there's nothing really the same as when you're running, you're still, next time you run, you're still going to be fucked. Even if you're cardio fitness, you feel it's good. So for him to do that and then play Premier League football, yeah. uh, look, I'll admit, centre-half is maybe the only position you could do it, <laughs> or goalkeeper. But nonetheless, it's a pretty incredible achievement to be able to do that. George Graham that brings him through. 
That's mad. Yeah, yeah. What a weird time. Yeah. And Sugar would have been chairman probably at that point. <laughs> Always remember, even as a kid, just the knowledge that Lily King was a pretty good centre back. And the tricky thing with him, obviously, I think I think I'm right in saying he first has an injury in his first game for Spurs. So literally, you're not even going. You can't do a before and after. I think it is literally from jump. Well, I know his, his actual, his league debut, he comes in, Spurs are 2-0 up at half-time and they lose 3-2. <laughs> maybe a, Of course you knew that bit of research. Uh, maybe a tougher one for you. That list of players I've given you, is he better than Jamie Carragher? So, y- because Carragher isn't getting in this mix of players. No. Yeah, that's, that's it. I think he's better than Carragher for talent. I think he would have been. Um, Carragher was just solid and consistent and probably a bit underrated. But he, yeah, if he doesn't have the injuries, he's better than that. I think he's go. in the Lucky mix. Guy. He's in the mix with the top ones. But I don't. I think it's kind of treated like, oh, if he hadn't been injured, he would have been the best of a lot. And I don't think he inevitably would have been better than Rio and Terry. And so I think he would have been in the mix and maybe tiny bit below them. So where have you got him? Is he club altering? I think he's club altering. Yeah, I, I think historic is pushing it a bit because I don't think. I don't think there's enough to go on to say that, but I think he could have been the amount of games he would have racked up for Spurs. I think he could have been a club legend. And again, if he does have that career, he can probably lift them a little bit. And then if they do sell him, they probably would have got a decent fee for him anyway. If we say this, if you know, if United came in for him, Spurs could have still had him over a barrel and got a lot of money for him. When you think about with some of these, and I guess the point we're making with the last one was that sometimes not playing actually helps. Yes. The legacy. Yeah. If you compare the way Sol Campbell's spoken about now to how Ledley King's spoken about now, for example, mm. you would not think that the two players are who the two players are. No, there's, there's an odd thing with Sol where it was almost like he was like just a couple years too early to get all the hype that, say, Ferdinand and Terry get. Yeah. For whatever reason, it's almost like, I don't know, maybe the internet was coming more of a thing while they were still playing. Soul was obviously on the way out. Maybe that's had an impact. I don't know. Doesn't have, and I guess Ledley King would be in this uh, situation. I mean, Soul's well. general personality hasn't helped. His that's what I was going to say. He yeah. doesn't have the, I'm a mean, tough centre-back personality that he's made himself a bit of a, gave you and Terry and Rio. He's made himself a bit of a joke figure with some of his stuff. <laughs> and the, yeah. I think that's almost come from the lack of attention he did get, maybe he was a weird guy all the time anyway. Certainly seems like he's ramped it up. Yes, absolutely. Let's talk about Gibral Cisse. This is a guy who'd scored nearly 100 goals before the age of 23. Hmm. Early FM Wonder Kid, actually, I guess would have been championship manager back then. Um, a lot of excitement before he signed for Liverpool. And then he's injured in, I think, his first game, is it? It's certainly early on in the first season against Blackburn. Yeah, no, he gets a few games. I think it's, I want to say it's around October, around the time that he's, so he's, had, he's got a few games in there. Uh, yeah, I mean, he, I think he got the golden boot for all there the year before he joins us. So you go and all there, not a, traditionally a great team. So you're thinking, okay, this guy's going to be special. We obviously get rid of Owen that summer as well. So you kind of go, <laughs> right, this guy better be good. Uh, and then what happens happens. You kind of the, one of the reasons I thought to have him in here is, in my mind, two broken legs 
kind of end up, well, I don't think he would have been that good anyway. But it's like, I am saying, well, I don't care. He's broken both his legs. I still think he would have been the same sort of players. Like, it seems kind of crazy to me in my mind that obviously that's going to have a huge impact on Ukraine. Like you said, it, you kind of overlook the age he was at at that point. Well, even coming to Liverpool would have been, coming. we'd have had his prime years. The The timing still is that he scores a penalty against Milan. He gets the first goal back against West Ham in two of the biggest games in your recent history. Yeah. Is he what? Is he starting against Milan if he's not been crocked previously? Was it how? Where are we putting him if he doesn't have the injuries? Is he your starting guy? I think probably would have had to have been. However, maybe I guess the asterisk on this to go before I was to get carried away how good he was. I think there would have been a real discussion as to who starts between him and Milan Barosh, and maybe that tells you, okay, I think this guy's good, but how good is that? His best goal scoring season in England is for Sunderland. Yeah, I mean, he scores ten goals for them. To be fair, in pretty bad team, he may have actually scored ten one season for Liverpool, and it may be joint, but he does it in less starts for Sunderland. Okay. I was about to say, yeah, how many games did he get at Sunderland to get that total? Sunderland, I've gone the other way around. Sunderland is the most starts he ever has in okay. a league season in England. Yeah, just looking at record that, because in my mind, I remember he came back and was at Sunderland and that wasn't exactly a glorious spell. But those numbers for a, a poor team aren't yeah, bad. 10 goals, I think that's, it is. That's okay. And then goes and does pretty well at Panathinaikos as well, which, again, Greek league is not going to get. Has some weird moments at QPR. I mean... He scores in, in the... In fairness, if you said plays for QPR at that time, I would have had Jibble Cisse on the bingo card. Did he not card. get the first goal in the game against City? I don't know. You could I, be believe, right. that man, I believe he gets the this first... This man is, might be Mr. Box Office. <laughs> this guy just only I, does it. I believe he gets the first goal in the game against City, where Aguero then turns it round. I, I will say, in the Istanbul final, I saw him coming on. I was like, this guy is obviously getting the winner. Obviously, this guy is coming on and bagging away. Broke his leg like a few months ago and he's already back and going to win us the Champions League. Yeah, he. I, I saw an interview with him being somewhat critical that he's judged for his appearance when he has dyed bright blonde. <laughs> and he says, you know, I was a flashy guy, but I knew that football was the reason I was flashy. So like, I had appreciation for what I had. Yeah, I think is some of his teammates would have probably said like I think some of the cars he drove in and the suits he wore and stuff. I think he absolutely played up to the image. He's he's going to be in the France squad that wins the World Cup if he's not injured and has broken his leg previously. If you go off the previous squads, very un, very very unlucky guy. Could be a World Cup winner starting for the starting in a Champions League winning side. Presume I think he was in the um, 06 squad, which obviously gets to the final. France as well, obviously with the Zidane oh, headbutt. Yeah, yeah, so he would have had a he have had a winner winner's medal there if Zidane doesn't uh, yeah. do what Zidane does. So yeah, it is a it's a weird career because obviously once he kind of does leave us, you kind of look at it on paper and you go, it's not too bad what he's done. But he never plays in the league for you again after the second leg break. No, I mean, and then it, it really does end. The career does end in pretty innocuous I sort think- of uh, fashion. As recently as last year, maybe he was begging to be signed by a French side so he could score four more goals to make it 100 goals in the French league. He said he'd play for free. Ouch. And no one took him up on that offer. When you're doing voluntary work and people don't want you. Old guy at that stage. There would have been, what, 40s? Yeah. 
Yeah, with two metal rods in there. Yeah, I don't know how desperate he thought teams were going to be. Yeah, I, I, he was actually the toughest one of all of these players for me to try and position. Yeah. Because I instinctively have him as probably the third tier. He's better than he was. The fact that he was at Liverpool means he's going to be, if he's not a starter for Liverpool, he's going to be for probably someone around that time. Someone maybe maybe he slots in for Dean Ashton. <laughs> that injured. could see him doing it for West Ham. Yeah, I, as I said, in my mind, I kind of shortchange him in, in terms of it's almost like the leg breaks almost like an aside. It was like, well, that's actually pretty fucking huge, yeah. a pretty huge deal. Uh, I'll put him in the third where he would have handled it slightly better. But the thing is, I think he would always been this type of player of quick, flashy, probably never going to be prolific. I remember reading in Gerard's book, he said like the first couple of training sessions, they kind of saw him like, Jesus, this guy's got everything, but not that great in front of goal. And I remember thinking about it recently. Like, Imagine if Gerard had been training with Darwin. Like, <laughs> this guy's got everything, but I'm not sure about Because obviously Gerard was going, well, I'm comparing him to Michael Owen, who's just gone. And I'm going, okay, he can do a lot of what he can do, but he can't finish like that. And so as a result, I think you maybe, and because of his personality, you probably would have a situation where he was bouncing around clubs and quite inconsistent. I mentioned on here before, and I can't really explain why, but me and my brothers would watch so many of these like bad injury comps on YouTube. <laughs> and there was one that had um, D12 fight music as the background. And it was like top 10 leg breaks. The first time you saw Gibraltar says are like eight. And then at four, and you're, it's the same, it's the same guy. It's the same guy. And this was like a party piece. We would show people the video. Like, same guy you saw earlier. Other leg, <laughs> poor guy. Mad because you—I mean—you couldn't miss him. He was very obviously yeah. the same guy. I don't, yeah, know, I don't know. I don't know why. Boys, I'll be honest. Yeah, I don't know why. I don't know why we. I must have been probably saw it on someone's like Bebo video, and then it was like, <laughs> look at this. It's when it was a different time. Well, the things like that. You were ne- limited. Things like that have never, never bothered me. Like I was say, never been too squeamish about that. That's odd, considering no. you're. Uh, that kind of thing, but then if I see something with a lot of holes in it, like a crumpet, or I see like some some horrible like psychological horror film, then yeah, not for me. But I can see some guy with his leg, leg snapped in eighteen places. Yeah. The ones where someone snaps their leg, not via contact, just by like turning in the pitch or whatever, always grim. Yeah. When it's there's running, next thing you know, the leg snapped. Well, I remember with the Eduardo leg break being. Show us the leg break. Quite pissed off a match of the day. Well, like, they've all seen it. I can see Alexander Klebic throwing up on the side of the pitch. (laughs) Just tell people you're going to show it and then say, if you don't want to see it, look away now. Well, that's what they did with the match of the day on the night. But obviously you were watching the replay in the morning, which they didn't didn't show it on. Even when they had it, there was one they made out to be proper bad. Was it Harvey Elliott's recently? And they're like, when he did it, and they were like, "Oh, we ain't going to show you this." It was like, show us. We can rewind it now, anyway. Yeah, you're gonna, so, yeah, so yeah. Show us it. I can just because it looks so much Twitter worse now, when so. someone has this really pixelated yeah. thing, and it's like, is that bone coming out, or is that just like part of the pitch markings? I think that was the thing with the Eduardo one, wasn't it? That you 
the still pictures from it was, oh, that's a bone poking out of the Yeah, they had it zoomed in. <laughs> that's not supposed to be there. They had it zoomed in, um, I think, through his sock um, in the papers the next day. Yeah. I was trying to remember his, his... It was Martin something. I couldn't remember his... I think it's so, Taylor. That's what that's what I told someone earlier. I thought it was, but yeah. it sounded like another one. It wasn't that type of player. So it's yeah. weird. It's it sounded weird like the plainest name ever. Turns out it's about right. Yeah, I think it's Bicliche who is the Birmingham yes manager on the day, and he says something like, "Look, I know he's in a bad way." My player right now is not in a good way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and the interviewer's like, "What the?" Fuck? People, do, you want, do you want to take that back? People rarely think of the manslaughterer. They never think about them. There's one, um, if we get to him, Eduardo, he he says about how, uh, yes, yeah, so we just mentioned him. He was visited in hospital. He said he's just come out of surgery and he said, Kelly's there like right outside asking to speak to him and he's like, don't want to speak to him. <laughs> and he said he's brought his kid with him who's drawn a Croatia flag on a piece of paper. And oh. he's like, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do with this? Come on, accept his apology. <laughs> yeah. Come on. Be a bigger there man. Is, there is a, it might be Diaby. The one, one of these that we've done today and it's one of the Arsenal ones and it's definitely not Welshship actually, although maybe the same. It's like, he can apologise all he wants. I, I do not accept the apology. Just, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. yeah, I think it. I think it is Diaby, where he's like, "You're you're sorry for how you feel as it happened. You didn't accidentally go into this tackle." Yeah, yeah. Mm. I imagine that maybe maybe Diaby was going to be broken down the whole time anyway. But it's probably a lot easier to cope when you can pin it on something like that and say that was what yeah, did true. it to me. And if he needs to hold that resentment, it probably does go a long way. Owen Hargreaves. Now, the first thing I'd say here is that I couldn't believe he only played 29 games in the Premier League. No. no, that I really shocked me. Like, I knew the injury situation was bad. I didn't realise it was quite as extreme as that. Do you know when he leaves United, he makes YouTube videos of him in the gym to show, to and they put online to try and convince clubs? I remember people talking about, like, isn't this impressive? City bit on it and <laughs> it didn't work. Yeah, so I also thought he got a couple more games of City than just one. One, yeah, yeah. in the League Cup. Wins the Champions League in 2001 with Bayern Munich. Probably kind of how we still are now in that didn't count for much because he wasn't doing it in England. Although he did have, he did benefit a little bit from the sort of a bit of mystique with that, where European leagues weren't quite as accessible as they are now. Do you remember when he was getting in squads for Sven? Initially, people were like, Oh, who's this guy? Sven had to be forced to pick him as well. And what? then by the... Yeah, I mean, that was initially around probably the 5-1 Germany game. I remember Hargreaves just started getting into squads around then. And people were a little bit like, oh, this guy plays in Germany. It's interesting. And then, yeah, by the time of... Um, I remember the 2006 World Cup, people were like, why the fuck is this guy getting in? And then he has a scream of a tournament in that one. He I- has that, that was a tournament where people go, oh yeah, this guy's actually a monster. In I-, I read that in the build up to 2006 England fans are booing him because he plays in Germany yeah 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 <laughs> just mental people the mystique wore off the night wore off yeah as you say stands out 2006 World Cup the latest man that is supposed to get the best out of Gerard and Lampard <laughs> neither of these guys want to defend yeah. can someone please defend for please them please do the dog work 
I'm... Then he goes to United. United expect Bayern Munich to just buckle and let him go there. They basically say, we're not losing him and Balak. Chelsea are going to put the money up for Balak, so tough luck. Hargreaves had flirted with... I think Balak goes on a free, doesn't he? So they're probably even more reticent to go. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's fair. That's a good point. Hargreaves had flirted with leaving like a year in to breaking into the first team. And he says kind of, you know, it's always nice to be closer to home in England. And it's pointed out, you've never lived in England. (laughs) What the hell are you talking about? Goes back in, wins, I think, the treble over there and they kind of accept him back. But he doesn't want to do the same thing again. 12 months later, United get him. He says that Fergie told him, I want to win the Champions League. You're the guy that can help us win the Champions League. I remember he's used sparingly. I don't know if they knew he had a dodgy injury record coming. I guess it wasn't too bad when they signed him, but maybe they saw something in training. He's used, I think he gets like 38 appearances over the whole season when they're competing for a treble. That's not bad going. Scores a banger of a free kick against us. I remember being struck by the fact that he stood over a free kick and you've got like Ronaldo. He shoves Ronaldo out the way and tells Ronaldo he's taking it. Yeah, this guy's obviously got something. As an Arsenal fan, you're going, obviously. (laughs) (laughs) Why? Why is this happening? (laughs) Um, Rooney and Ronaldo, obviously, still the headlines that season, but he plays 120 minutes in the Champions League final his defensive work allows a lot of what they're doing when he is on the pitch. He's brought in to allow Carrick to be more expansive. Another one in a long line of people that have to do this for him. 27 years of age, he should have his best years ahead of him and that's as good as it gets for him. It's a pretty good peak to have, but probably not as fulfilling as he would like. It's a short peak as well, realistically, isn't it? Um, it's actually 34 appearances in 2007-2008. Right, yeah. Yeah, I do remember being struck by thinking that first season for him, he was a good signing for United. And uh, and then I didn't realise how little he then played for them after that, actually. I knew it was sort of first season and then it petered out a bit, but I didn't realise quite how much. Fergie's really horrible about him in his book. Really? Yeah. He says what a waste of money and a disaster of a signing he was Jeez. and all of this stuff. They kind of think that again, that's another one with like managers where you get like I don't I don't think you can look at that guy and think like there's any like lack of application or anything there. He, so this is clearly a guy whose body is just letting him down. He says in by two thousand and nine, he's stopping going upstairs because he can't get back down them. <sighs> Jesus. Yeah, he gets diagnosed with a really rare form of tendonitis that he has to have major surgery on. And I think the reason there's ill will, he says when his contract expires that once they knew they weren't getting much out of him, he says he was used as a guinea pig at Man United. And he said they were giving him treatments he didn't need. They were giving him treatments that they would test on him so it would work to see about the others. Jesus He says about they have giving him injections in his knee. And he was like, I didn't need injections in my knee. But... He said, you're basically told, well, do you want to get back fit on the pitch or do you want another six months on the sidelines? And so he's just believing what they say. Now, it's obviously his word against theirs. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, he makes some quite strong accusations okay. against them. But how, how, do you, how do you judge someone that both Bayern Munich and Man United are successful before and after him? But he wins the Champions League with both. Hmm. That they're not reeling those in 
either side of him. He's part of the England side that's known as like the golden generation. How, how good could he have been if you think midfield is their peak ages? He should be coming right into it. Yeah, you got to think really. At that point with United, you know, he could have cleaned up. Uh, he's probably then a mainstay for England. And who knows, we probably still would have fucked it up because we were fucking things <laughs> up. But in theory, at least, he should have been the perfect foil to allow Gerald and Lampard to do their thing. Uh, he could have got even more out of Carrick. Probably him next to him, him doing sort of more of the running the dirty work, Carrick kind of getting on the ball and dictating. It should have been sort of perfect for United. It was the, the perfect idea of a signing. Uh, yeah, it, it was kind of only when we did this that I did kind of remember kind of what, could have been for this guy in my mind I kind of thought you know what probably did or he could have his career not like a a hugely gifted player so this was probably a decent enough career spent a good few years at Bayern which we probably haven't given him enough credit for because we weren't watching the Bundesliga at that point and then a year at United where you do win some trophies jobs are good but actually yeah you look at it in the age he was that when he was coming up United should have had his peak years at that point he he's one that it can be pretty annoying as a pundit at certain times, but there's so many instances where I think I'd much rather be hearing from you that has experiences in these things yeah. than somebody other. He should be giving me the analysis that we're expected to get from Steve McManaman, basically. Yeah, probably. And fair. the comparison that I've seen is that McManaman was the other guy that was playing abroad but getting in England sides, but he was in there largely on account of what he'd done for Liverpool. And then we'll trust that he's not fallen off too much. He's still doing this for Madrid. He obviously didn't have this, which is why it takes so long for him to become such a fixture in the England side. But I don't know whether he's in there earlier. He puts the club captain out of the side at 20 years old and then goes on to win the Champions League. Comes in, his mates, I think his first if it's not his first appearance in his first season that he's trusted to come on, he's trusted to start in a Champions League semi-final when the captain's suspended and then just doesn't give the place back. Yeah, And he's in there with some mad players when you look at that Bayern side. Yeah, Philip yeah, Lahm's yeah. still there, obviously, somehow, but of course. crazy, crazy guy. And they say that he just applied himself and just learned from these guys and said, this is the best education I'm ever going to have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that... That 2006 World Cup was a real eye-opener for, I think, everybody. I think I remember seeing things from the England players saying, yeah, like, what an animal or whatever he is in training. That's how much he tanks it. So, yeah, I think he's... I mean, firmly in the second, I was getting on towards the first, but I think second, I think is... Because if he's a mainstay for, say, United in there, I mean, his career certainly could go differently. And, and, you know, who knows? Maybe they get a little bit more success. Maybe... Scary He's probably not getting the Champions League in there because of that Barca team, but nonetheless. Yeah, very good. I, I, it's tough to do club altering with him just because of the clubs he was at, but then the level of ability that I've given to some... Like he showed me more than Abu Dhabi has, for example. Yes. Um, so yeah, I'd have to agree. Last one for this week, and that is Eduardo De Silva. Now... What if Eduardo stayed fit in 2008 is one of life's great questions. Hmm. We've done this previously. I think we did a kind of a bit of an episode on it before. And I think Troy was quite against the uh, fairy tale side of this. Yes. 
Arsenal travel to St. Andrews to face Birmingham. Favourites to win the league at this point. Five points clear at the top. 26 games played. Lost one game all season. They've just reeled off four straight wins. Overcome Van Persie's injury. Overcome Adebayor's injury. Eduardo was just about settled in. And Fabregas is in insane form. Now, I think if you do just say Eduardo scored, I think in his whole career, I think he scores 21 goals as an Arsenal player. So I can see the scepticism if you just say, well, this guy wasn't Van Persie, so it's not that simple. He's just settled in, and I think this is his seventh successive start at the time when he comes in. Only last three minutes here. He's one, if you look at his goal catalogue, I've got him, I don't have him as high as I had him straight after watching his highlights. <laughs> But this was a very good player hmm. that we're never going to know just how good he was. But I don't know. Arsenal would only go on to win one game of their next seven at that stage of the season. It's not just the effect the injury has on him. What does it seem to do to the team? Yeah, four draws in a row. I I didn't know until recently. I was reading some bits from Jens Lehmann's book. Galas, obviously, everyone knows about the crying in the middle of the pitch, but he's already got... He's gone round the pitch basically booting the advertising board and um, when he gets back in the dressing room Gilberto Silva stands up to him of all people and basically tells him stop showing off and making this all about you apparently they have a scrap him and Gilberto Silva in (laughs) in the change room if you're pissing off Gilberto Silva I feel like I mean, we know you are anyway. You're a massive prick if, yeah, you're getting yeah, on, right. <laughs> if you're getting on his bad side. And yeah, Lehman says basically everyone hated him. I'm not as surprised. You can, as you yeah, can that, that's not hugely surprising. Um, Fenger again says that Martin Taylor should never play football again. He says, what is he doing on the football pitch? And the reporter asks him if Eduardo's season's over. <laughs> what? Wenger says, I think more than his season is over, which is very dark, but fair. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's nearly the end of February, start of March, and the reporter's asking if this bloke whose leg is currently in two, <laughs> yeah. if his season's <laughs> yeah. over. Yeah, I'm going to get on a limb, so it might be. In in terms of him himself, I'll say we'll never know just how good he was, but he looked a really clinical finisher once he'd settled in the team. Movement was really good. He just looked, he had that technical ability that felt like an Arsenal player at the time, especially in this team. 25, he's 25 when he gets this injury. Just watching back his goals, the range of finish I thought was really good. He could drill it from like a standing start into the roof of the net against Sheffield, I think it was in the cup. There's a volley that he slices across against Burnley in the FA Cup, which is like crazy good. He has a few bicycle kicks in there. Somewhere he just wrong foot the keeper and place it in the corner. I don't know. He was warming into his career. Six starts in the league, then this. He looked really good. Um, I do believe we win the league that season, which is, I'd rather believe now that we wouldn't, just it makes it more painful. The level of the whole squad is part of it. And just, I think he was good enough with the way we were playing there. If you look at the fixtures we've got, I think we've got one of the big six left to play. Mm-hmm. I, don't know, I I think he was very good. I think with the money that was available to be spent at that time, 
Is he can he be career altering when you've got Van Persie waiting in the wings to come back in? When you've got Adebayo waiting in the wings to come back in? Do I think ability wise he was better than either of those at their best? Is probably I don't think he's better than Van Persie his best. No. Adebayo is tough because he had one season where he's legitimately one of the best players I've ever seen play football, and then after that he was not the best player I've ever odds, seen. Odds career play football but yeah that one season the year before I think that is for Adebayo is just crazy yeah two goal of the season nominee in one game against Spurs of all people Eduardo I think you can only put him in the third tier I think I saw nothing to suggest that he was going to fade away and this was just a bit of a purple patch the technique looked to be there all of these things I don't know fair he had a tough tough gig the, the idea that he should have just come back in and banged immediately as Henri's replacement, I think Wenger was very keen to ensure there was no illusions that he was Henri's replacement. I think one was sold and one was bought in like a week apart. So yeah, but bad, uh, yeah, rough timing for him. It's one of them and you have this with Klopp um, early on at least. Where we played against them in the Champions League and we're like 3-0 up and then they score all he puts them 1-0 up and then we win 3-1. But in just one game, it was like, I don't need the scouting reports. I've seen enough Signing in this moment. And you did that with Minamino, I know. <laughs> it was, I think, one of the guys that you did that That's for. That's a fine purchase. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with that. Seven million. But yeah, he... he that that Burnley goal in particular is the one where I'm like, okay, this was a very good player. Yeah, he was, you were right to say, probably an Arsenal player of the time. Technically really good. Kind of when I first saw him, I thought it's going to be a good close range finisher. Then you looked at it and go, there's a lot more variety there, actually. So he had that not lightning quick, but quick enough and good in and around the box. I was glad when we touched on it on the one where Troy said what he said, because I did kind of wonder, am I just being sort of like stick in the mud here? Because I did listen to how Arsenal fans talked about him as a bit of a what if. And I was thinking they feel like they're maybe misremembering him slightly. Now, they're right to say he probably, you know, he could have been better if he doesn't have a huge injury. His Arsenal career still would have been better. But I mean, he was brought in the same summer as Torres, for example. And I remember thinking, to begin that season, I don't remember ever thinking, you know, we've just signed this striker, you've just signed this striker, who got the better? That It wasn't... Whereas if you look at how sometimes Eduardo talks about what he could yeah. have been, it's a little bit like... Yeah, a Torres type of signing, it's not their leg. And it's not well when you've done that. What? I'd see a striker coming at the same time as uh, another big player. Like we had two seasons ago. <laughs> Community <laughs> Shield can sway things a long way. <laughs> yeah, so that was kind of, yeah, I was glad an Arsenal fan kind of picked up on it as well because I kind of felt it had been kind of reimagined how his career could have gone. I think it would have been, he'd have been fine, but I think, Probably not dissimilar from right Riziki Arsenal, where I think he would have been this type of player. Because I think over time, people look at it and say, okay, what, he'd scored four goals that season in the league. Why? What made you think he was going to fire him? I think it, was, it wasn't It was just, this guy is so good that he was going to fire us to the league. The effect on the other players, obviously, it's as much of an effect. I think, really, they should have won that game anyway. They played yes. against... 10 men for 87 minutes. They had a lead going in stoppage time. Yeah. Never a penalty, by the way. If you watch it, no. it's ridiculous, ridiculous by cliche anyway. Mm. Um, but yeah, if they if they draw that 2-2, two, two, 
I think what you're going to be three points clear going in, and it's the run of games they draw is like Villa, Stoke. It's it's like four games that they should smash. Yeah, it doesn't always go like that. If they if they win two of the games they draw, they win the league. United still only finish four points ahead of Arsenal. United and Chelsea don't say Arsenal fucked up. Let's blitz the league now. They it kind of limps over the line. And this is the one that on paper you compare this season to in that it's like the three biggest teams in the country are at the top of the league. There's just a lot more quality now from all three whereas it, it was I think we were so good up until January of that year and then yeah the the interesting thing being with your one even if we sort of uh, I guess the Eduardo injury kind of lights the paper but if Gallas is doing that you feel like at some point that man was blowing up there's <laughs> clearly something in there which maybe would have curtailed your season anyway he'd, he'd managed it well to that point he'd kind of taken the Chelsea fans think I'm a prick. I'm going to show you how much of a prick I can yeah. be. And then it just so I've switched the other way where Chelsea fans can go, told you he's a prick. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and then, yeah, if you're the captain, then Wenger had a difficult decision to make. And Wenger says afterwards, he's asked about it, and he says, yeah, there was some dressing room problems after that. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I just, that man probably can't be your captain. It's probably your issue. No. All right, I think that... Probably just about brings us to an end today. We'll uh Everton Palace on. There's not a lot of quality here. <laughs> Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week. Adios. <laughs>